and welcome to the Fantasy Live Podcast Week 4 Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to break down again all the action from another action-filled NFL Sunday. Joining me, as always, none other than Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? What's up? What's up? I was out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to lie, Ian. Had to leave the house today on football. I remember why I don't leave the house on football days. Like I went and did some stuff with my wife. We had to run Zoe around and do some things. You know, we get super busy in the week too. So I was trying to have a little bit of family time. And I was, I told Amanda, I was like, this might not work. I'm just telling you now because like I get anxiety when I'm away from foot, when I'm not at my TV for Sunday. And that's how I was all day. I was just like scrolling my phone, trying to find video on my phone, looking at your Twitter feed, looking at other Twitter feeds. We met my son's girlfriend. For lunch i told her when she sat down i'm probably not gonna talk to you don't take it wrong i really do like you so so yeah it was interesting uh, i'll never do it again <laughs> I, I can't do this well duana me and i'm sure plenty of our listeners here have had our eyes bleeding out since watching that london game starting here at 9 30 a.m over on the eastern side of things so why does london get nfl football when we beat them in every war we've ever had i don't know but you know what we're going to start with that one because it was the first game of the day jaguars took down the falcons 23 to 7 covering us three and a half point favorites under 42 and a half covered in this one so Dwayne. Biggest question here. Did you see the Toy Story stream and what were your thoughts? (laughs) I did not see the Toy Story stream. I did see some highlights, funny enough, from the Toy Story stream. And, uh, you know, look, I raised kids at a time, still raising kids, but my kids were young when, like, Toy Story was a, you know, Toy Story had already really happened, but it was still big. Like, they wanted to watch Toy Story. So I've seen it plenty of times. Like, look, man, I like Woody. Not really. I like Buzz. I'm not a big Woody fan. You know, it's like I got a snake in my boot. Like, come on, you got to do something else than just like pull a string. Buzz is way cooler. You know, he's got like wings and missiles. That's more my speed. So, uh, no, I didn't watch it, but I did see some highlights, Ian. Like, what did I miss? Well, in the Clearly, you watched it. I put on two plays, but they weren't showing the actual football plays like they do on the Nickelodeon uh, stream. So I had to actually see what was going on. I appreciated the effort, but Dwayne, they did survey the players and more players from this game did indeed like uh, Buzz Lightyear more than Woody. So you're not alone on that one. Only main reason I want to bring it up is because they used the slinky dog as like the measurement, as the chains. And I don't see why we can't just implement that in the real life games, Dwayne, because it sure as hell be more accurate. We went to Disney. Yeah. (laughs) That was my favorite ride in, in that part of the park, just because before it like shoots you off, it just goes, hold on, <laughs> like in that voice. And my son Landry, like he can do that voice so good. So now, like to this day, anytime we're in the car and like like I put punch the accelerator or anything, you just hear my son in the backseat go, hold on. All right, guys, thank you for putting up with our fun little Toy Story start to this. But yes, London game again, easy enough win for the Jaguars here. This really was more so not to take credit away from the Jaguars, but for them to not win this game with how bad Desmond Ritter and this offense looked just in between the, you know, sporadic kind of brilliant run by Bijan Robinson really uh, can't overstate enough how bad of a performance that was from Ritter out there. But focusing on the winners here for a second, Calvin Ridley did find his way back into the end zone. He really did benefit fit though from the entire defense not paying attention to him so hey Dwayne again style points don't matter in fantasy blown covers touchdowns count just the same that said when we see again just two catches for 38 yards and a touchdown for Ridley 
Not quite the sort of get right spot maybe we were imagining. On the contrary, though, Christian Kirk continuing to keep on keeping on with Zay Jones once again sidelined. So, Dwayne, this is not a situation we'll have the Jaguars on by. They will be back in week five despite playing this game in London. Are you ready to really squeeze that gap between Kirk and Ridley? Because we do have three out of four weeks now that say Christian Kirk is as viable, if not the number one receiver in this offense. Well, I mean, Kirk's been pushed up the ranks the last two weeks for me anyway, because Zay Jones has been out. So I haven't had, I haven't been forced to make that decision because I haven't been really moving Ridley up. I've been keeping him where he was at and it's been Kirk that I've been moving up. But like once Zay Jones comes back, yeah, I mean, I think I'll be forced into making that decision a little bit, but I just want to let everybody know, like target shares are like a fickle thing just week to week. Like just a week ago, everyone was panicking about Mark Andrews, right? We'll get to the Ravens here in a minute. Mark Andrews comes out, does what today? Mark Andrews things, just leads the team in targets. Like you can't lead your team in targets every single game. So I still believe that, you know, Ridley has the talent profile, but I think obviously he can't come out and smash every single week, but there's not many receivers that do. So if you want to think of him more as like a high-end wide receiver two for right now, instead of that wide receiver one that we were hoping for, like I'm not necessarily going to argue with you, but I think we just want to be really careful about overreacting. As far as Kirk goes, like I think in the games without Zay, Zay Jones, like I love it because he's getting on the field. He gets the route participation. He had a 40% target share today, but nothing really else with the Jaguars from a utilization perspective. Like it's pretty much everything status quo. ETN did his thing. Uh, Ingram did his thing. So I didn't see anything sticking out that was like, oh, like this is really interesting. So nothing else for me on the Jaguars side of the ball. ETN did his thing in terms of the usage. Once again, just usage, 84% snap rate, but man, oh man, 55 rushing yards on just 20 carries. That is rough. And it now has been a trend for ETN that we are not seeing that same high level success on the ground this season. 5.1 yards per carry a season to go down to 3.8 this year. Yes, the Jaguars are one of only nine teams not averaging even one yard before contact per carry. But even those explosive runs, Dwayne, they have not quite been there. 4.3% rate of ripping off 10 runs of 10 yards or more. Last year, we were all the way up at 11.7%. So, hey, I mean, look, I don't think Tank Bigsby or Hasty or Dearness Johnson are going to take that job anytime soon. So continue to fire up ETN as that RB1. But yeah, I don't know if he really has a finger to really point in the mirror other a figure to point other than at the one of the man in the mirror offensive line could help a little bit more final note here is that trevor lawrence once again not putting up the numbers you hope for in fantasy land but guys you do have to consider trevor lawrence cj stroud joe burrow only quarterbacks have dealt with nine or more drops this season and just in terms of the pff passing grade stuff that does try to again identify players who are performing better than the box score indicates when i check man number two across the season behind only two of us so hey i wouldn't say trevor Lawrence has been the best quarterback in the NFL this year, but even if you want to say he's falling past that, you have quite a ways to go until you're getting to anything other than still pretty damn good. So, yep, same old, same old otherwise in this offense. Again, Dwayne, on the Atlanta side of things, it's B. John Robinson breaking ankles, making a one-handed <laughs> catch, doing something ridiculous, and then shortly after, you just either hear a horrific pass by Desmond Ritter or the Falcons had the punt. So, with B. John out here, 75% snaps, Tyler Algier all the way down to 26. Really Dwayne's starting to take over that I guess just full-time three down back sort of role that we were saying before if he could just get legit overall RB1 upside is firmly within his range of outcomes well we've seen two games now where it's really been out of hand for a period of time and it has been the Bijan show so I definitely think in these games where the Falcons are pushed um, or are trailing a lot those are going to be Bijan games I think there's still a chance whenever we get into games that are a lot closer 
or you've got the Falcons with a lead. We could see more Tyler Algier. We did have Cordell Patterson active today, and he yeah, was for not. one snap, Dwayne. For one, I, snap. I'm just I know I'm just saying he wasn't a factor yet, right? So that for Bijan managers, that's a positive. For the leader of the Cordell Patterson fan club, <laughs> not a positive. But you are the you're you're the only one. You're the leader, <laughs> and there's the rest of us that have Bijan. So. Um, it's us. It's you against the world, Harditz. Um, no, we all love CPAT, and and uh, we support your love of CPAT. He didn't get much, but yeah, Bijan in these games where the Falcons are losing, which there could be quite a few more of this. Hey, Arthur Smith, guess what? What you're doing? It's not working. <laughs> I know you like to say we're just going to keep doing it because we're not trying to. We're not trying to win fantasy games. We're trying to win win real life games. Well, you're not. You're not winning real life games either. So anyway, it's a. Uh, the, the Jonu Smith show. I'm sure you've got some. I'll let you do the lead in here on Jonu, Ian. I, I know you've got, I know you're ready for this. Just with the offense as a whole, though, Dwayne, you couldn't be more right about it not working. They had five total yards in the first quarter. And that was even before Riz, uh, Ritter threw back to back bad interceptions, I might add, on back to back drives. And then he had another interception on the following drive, also dropped. So it could have actually had back to back to back out there. Wasn't meant to be. Shout out Drake London scoring a touchdown in London. Only a few people across Twitter actually got that that happened, Dwayne. It was, I thought there'd be a bigger deal made out of that. But yes, now to the main event sadly another week another week that kyle pitts gets just 21 scoreless yards and on the season now Dwayne. oh my gosh kyle pitts 11 catches for 121 scoreless yards on 21 targets and john smith is right there 15 catches 179 yards zero touchdowns on 20 targets i guarantee if you go back to like our falcons team preview or some other pod in the offseason we probably joked about john who actually outscoring we kyle did pitts. Yeah, we but, did. And it's now come true. So F us. Um, this is horrible, Dwayne. Like, is Kyle Pitts even a top 12 tight end anymore? Like, seriously. Look, man, I <laughs> only because there's so many guys that are barely top 12 tight ends. Like we have like we have like the top six or seven, and then there's everyone else. So only because of that fact, like, can you say that Kyle Pitts is still at least in the conversation? Like Pitts is out there, 83% route participation, like the last three weeks, he's been 90% or more. John is only 64% and I, you know, he's earning the targets right now. So I think there's also this part of me. It's like, well, give John the credit because targets really are earned. Like today was not just a bunch of junk stuff. Uh, we have seen some behind the line of scrimmage screens and things like that today. John who had an average depth of target of 8.2. So that tells me he was mostly just the guy Ritter trusted. So, I mean, good for him. I, I think what we have though, at this point, we've seen John Smith be a good tight end in the past. Ian like it, it didn't work out in New England but before that with the Titans like he definitely flashed and it looked like he was a guy that was breaking out and that was with Arthur Smith so yeah. he knows how to use him John o. Smith has shown us he can be a good player in the past so now we've just got a bad quarterback on a team that wants to run the ball all the time if they can and they're spreading it out I think we just have to say John o. Smith's a quality weapon now like you got so you got Drake London quality player Kyle Pitts quality player Bijan Robinson quality player Janu Smith, quality player. That's too many freaking mouths to feed in this type of environment. And by in this type of environment, he means with quite possibly the worst quarterback in the NFL. And I even say that knowing that Zach Wilson is still playing football. But when I just looked at the overall PFF passing grades for the season, you know, earlier today, only a DTR, only freaking Browns backup quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson thrust into action on like freaking 90 minutes. Notice has a lower PFF passing grade than Desmond Ritter. We all said it can't get worse than 2022 Mariota. In fact, we can get 1.1 yards per attempt worse. And we can also drop the a dot a full, you know, 
know, almost three yards lower. So absolutely brutal. Yeah. Atlanta Falcons, you know, enjoy those seven points. Let's go Taylor Heineke. Let's get him in there. I'm, I'm with, uh, I'm with Ryan C time for Heineke. Yes. It cannot be worse than, I mean, it cannot be worse than Desmond Ritter. And by the way, uh, I saw Matt Harmon note that the ESPN broadcast very casually mentioned that the team knows Kyle Pitts is operating at well under 100% coming back from his knee injury last year, which I'd have a much easier time believing, Dwayne, if all if the they route stuff. playing him all the time. Yeah, if exactly. They playing him all the time. Yeah, so are you admitting to just playing a banged up player that you know is incredibly banged up all the time? I don't get it, man. But okay, enough of Arthur Smith here. Moving on to uh, the exact opposite of that game, the game of the day. Didn't, I don't want to say it disappointed, Dwayne, but it just really wasn't as competitive as we were expecting. Bills blew out the Dolphins 48-20, to 20, covering as two-and-a-half-point favorites over cash with ease at 53. Just a, you know, the sort of game that we've been waiting from for Josh Allen. Week one comes out against a very tough Jets D, makes some mistakes, and then we get, you know, Washington and Raiders games where just wasn't overly close. And this one wasn't overly close, but that was because of our one true king, Josh Allen. 13.6 yards per attempt. He went 21 for 25. 158.3 perfect passer rating out there so again also ran for a touchdown other than Patrick Mahomes man based on what we've seen really hard not to call Josh Allen the second best quarterback in the game right now let's talk about again things that we don't know as much about Dwayne and that is James Cook finally finding the end zone how about that I don't have to do my stupid touches and total yards with zero touchdown pace that any longer and just the way it happened Dwayne was so awesome we had the Bills get down the 10 yard line hand off to James Cook Josh Allen using hurry up to keep the lineman on the field getting down to the one yard line giving it to our guy James Cook and then helping shove him across the goal line so that was fantastic Dwayne what was not fantastic though was James Cook overall usage talk about some of the things we saw particularly in the passing game that we just don't really like to see albeit again another solid day at the office for a weekly upside rb2 at this point yeah and i mean we can take this trade off but we want both we want both of these things he had 100 percent of the snaps inside the 10 yard line uh he had 100 percent of the rushing attempts inside the 10 yard line today but only a 31 percent route participation he's been over 50 percent every game he's been around the 52 to 55 percent mark um, so that's, that hurts rushing attempts right around where he's been. He's typically between like 48 and 52%. He was at 48% today. So yeah, like we can live with it. If they let him have these carries inside the five yard line, that's probably going to offset like what we're going to lose in some of those dropbacks, but I just don't get it. Latavius Murray, <laughs> Latavius Murray was who they decided to have out there more on passing downs today. So maybe it's a pass blocking thing. I'm not sure. Murray was at a 45% routes per drop back versus 31% on the day for James Cook. But if we could ever get some blend of those two things, you really would have that mid-range RB1. But right now, he's still stuck in that mid-RB2 range. Come on. Like, let's give us one. I just I would take, like, just one or two weeks. One or two weeks where we get both of these things. So, But, hey, at least when he lost the passing down work, it wasn't also him being in the same role inside the five-yard line. So it's interesting. This could just be a blip on the radar. We'll have to keep an eye on it. But again, for now, he's that mid-range RB2. 
he did dominate again doing because i think all those inside the 10 snaps happened in that same drive and they just kept going because every other touchdown the bills score was basically happening happening from like chunk yardage usually stefan Diggs doing his thing yeah. out there three stephon scores Diggs 120 Diggs, yeah. yards yeah that dude's pretty freaking good at football the other big note Dwayne, that you would not find in the box score and that's one of the reasons why i like to think we can shed some nice knowledge on the people here on the fantasy life podcast Dalton Kincaid, major role change for the rookie relative to what we saw through the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, we've through the first three games, really, it's been almost an even split between him and Dawson Knox. But today we saw a 79% route participation for Dalton Kincaid. He had 20% of the targets. He had a 22% targets per route run, 1.17 yards per route run, still not great. But we saw Dawson Knox only at 48% of the routes. 4% of the targets, 7% targets per route run. So this was the first game where we saw Kincaid separate from Knox. So we saw Knox go down and we saw Kincaid go up. Will it stick? I don't know, but I think you kind of have to lean into it for now because if we do have a potential ascension up the depth chart or up the in playing time, if you will, Kincaid's already been playing, but getting this increase in playing time, we still don't have a clear number two on this offense. True. Like Gabe Davis isn't a huge target earner. James Cook is nice, but he's not going to lead the, you know, he's got to be second on the team probably. And then they've got a bunch of other guys that just rotate. So it's really Stefan Diggs and anyone that might step up to the challenge of trying to take over. And that could just end up being spread across all of these guys. That's probably the most likely outcome, but it's a guy that has first round capital. So we want to keep an eye on it. There is a chance Kincaid's been dropped in some of your leagues. He has not performed well up and up until now. So, I mean, I got it. I've gotten a couple of texts about it. Hey, Kincaid was cut. Like, can I go get him? Um, so if you're like in a 10 team or a 12 teamer with shallow benches, those sort of things, I think Kincaid is a guy like we'd probably, we would have to, maybe we'll talk about it more later in the week, like who we would do that for, um, mm -hmm. or we'll put it in the waiver wire column, uh, for tomorrow. But Kincaid's definitely a guy that like, I want to be, I I'm going to be kicking the tires on if I see him drop, he, he won't. He won't be dropped in any of my leagues. So I'll just have to live vicariously through you guys because he will not be dropped in any of my leagues, but I would love to see screenshots of you picking him up. It's so depressing going through some of those high stakes waiver wires, Dwayne. Like I, I almost like click on like next 25. I'm like, well, what am I doing here? There, I know there's going to be no one here. There's no one here on the first page. The second page is never better in fantasy <laughs> football free agency, but it doesn't stop me from wanting to click on it. Uh, also, shout out Gabriel Davis, now on pace for 13 touchdowns this year. Not really seeing a boost in receptions or target share or receiving yards, but you know what? Six points at a time. Hell of a drug. Continue to fire him up as that boomer bus wide receiver three. He's been all season long on to the dolphins cannot score 70 every single week i guess Dwayne, we just really got to be starting tyreek and tua on even or on odd number weeks because they cannot get anything going when the week is even but okay let's make one thing clear Dwayne, you were you were really right here okay i pushed back and said we should not unload the clip on devin agent i thought that was potentially irresponsible i thought you know going 50 60 would be you know good and i ian harditz was very wrong because we're talking about the best running back to ever play football Dwayne, 11 yards per carry and it's not even a small sample size anymore He's going to be like a top three fantasy RB on the season when we get the final stats tomorrow morning. And he has essentially played eight quarters of football at this point. It's not fluky. I mean, I know we played the Broncos last week, but it's like, are we supposed to call ridiculous tackle breaking, just mind bending speed runs fluky? I don't. He has 35 touches for 363 total yards and six touchdowns in two games. Salvin Ahmed was active. Salvin Ahmed played 2% of the snaps. 
How how high is the ceiling here, Dwayne? Raheem Mostert fumbled twice. It's looking really good for Devin A. Chan, and kudos to you for getting the people on the right path because, again, I was not quite there. But we we watched the film. We're getting better. Well, hey, to be fair, I think there's always a range of outcomes. And you were basically, and, and that's good, like for us to have those healthy debates, I think you were outlining what the floor could be for A. Chan, and I was outlining what the ceiling could be. Um, and I just lean in. I want ceiling outcomes, and so do you. But I think it's good for us to like have those debates. So looking at it today, though, to your point, like there were the fumbles for Mostert and it was 66% of the snaps going to HN, 68% route participation, 15% target share, handle 42% of the rushing attempts. That honestly is a little bit lower than what the number really is, because right now in my data, I'm not I'm not removing scrambles or anything else. Mm -hmm. There were also a few carries for like Tyreek Hill had a carry. There was a lot of things that happened in the game. But overall, like just between the running backs, the splits were even more than that with HN versus Mostert. Um, and it wasn't just after the fumbles. Like, so if you just isolate, do you know, do you know when the fumbles for Mostert were? I just see their fumbles. At least I don't one know. was in the first half. Okay. So in the first half, it was a little closer. So Mostert had 62% of the snaps in the first half, 58% for HN. This is a team that actually will use both their running backs at the same time. Most teams, it's all just BS. But because these guys are two uh, speedy playmakers that cre can create mismatches versus linebackers, they are finding ways to get them on the field together. Uh, but 58% route participation for HN in the first half, 68% for Mostert. So Mostert really was the passing down back in the first half. And then after the fumbles, things did shift a little bit. You also ended up in more... I don't want to say the, the Dolphins are out of ever out of it. Like they didn't, I don't think they were thinking that way until like maybe mid late fourth quarter. Like they were definitely down big, but they have the weapons to come back. Um, so I think we'll probably see close to like a 50 50 kind of thing between these guys still going forward, but it's in a really good offense. Both have big playability, but if I had to lean towards one guy kind of edging his way and maybe taking over a little bit more of the role. I think it would be HN, just the younger guy. And they've always, uh, they've obviously got a very clear plan for how they want to use him and how he fits in their offense and how he just puts so much stress on the defense. When you've also got to worry about Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, yeah, the dude's averaging over 10 yards per touch. Give him 30 a game. Why the hell not at this <laughs> point? Uh, and we did even have Adam Schefter before the game note that he has earned increased workload. Teams expect to use him more per source. They did say, you know, the issue is the depth. They also he even said they like Salvin Ahmed and also uh, Jeff Wilson's expect to come off the pup list and return to practice soon. So, again, hey, is Sal is, uh, you know, is AJN going to be ripping off this many yards and this many touchdowns, you know, on 10, on 10 touches per game? Maybe. I don't know. He's doing it so far. Probably not in the long run, but regardless, if we're going to get 10, 12, maybe even 15 carries and targets per game, if it's going to be in an offense like the Dolphins with a talent like this, my God, it's going to continue to be pretty scary. I mean, Dwayne, like top 15 running back next week? Probably. Yeah, I mean, I had him at 17 this past weekend. Now, part of that was due to – I there were several guys in the RB2 range that I just didn't like this week, so I just kept pushing HN <laughs> higher. But, yeah, I think you have to look at him as a mid-range RB2. He's going to regress. There's no way he can keep this up maybe. without <laughs> increasing – well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> without increasing his workload. He, he's still going to have his weeks where he's going to hit his big plays, but I think because the ceiling is so high when he does hit and there's this chance that maybe his role expands even more – it's going to be really interesting like to see what happens. I, I think at this point, though, there's not a lot of hope for Jeff Wilson getting much work, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, he could definitely do something that makes you know us feel differently next week. I, I still do think Jeff Wilson is a stash play, though, like because he's coming yeah. off. Of, he should come off of IR next week, 
and or off the was he pup or IR or short term IR. But becomes I, yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, it becomes short term IR. So I would definitely stash him in larger leagues because he plays for the Dolphins and they've got a great offense and people get hurt. But I would not expect him to have much of a role right out of the gate coming back as long as HN or Mostert don't like fumble their opportunities away. Final two notes here. Sadly, Bill's cornerback, Drew Davis White, feared to have ruptured his Achilles back-to-back season-ending injuries, presumably for White, one of the game's best corners. Absolutely hate to see that. Get better, my friend. Dolphins left tackle Taron Armstead also ruled out with a leg injury. This was actually his first appearance of the year, playing through several issues. Tough to see him again get ruled out and not be able to play football. So get better, guys. Moving on. Ravens took down the Browns 28 to three, obviously covering as one and a half point favorites under cash at 38 and a half received word before this game that Deshaun Watson was not good to go with that right shoulder injury. So we got the Dorian Thompson Robinson experience. I will say that Kevin Stefanski added after the game that he does expect Watson to be ready to go for week six against the 49ers. The Browns do have a week by bye, but first of all, with the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, another two tutties on the ground also had two through the air. My, God, Dwayne, that first one, or not, maybe not the first one, I'm losing freaking track of them. I think it was the first one before the half. That ball he threw to Mark Andrews was absolutely beautiful. And the fact that we just, again, get to have this conversation where it's like, which touchdown to Mark Andrews is a great problem to have for Lamar and Mark Andrews, fantasy managers alike. So, I mean, by the time halftime came around, Lamar had had four rushing touchdowns in his last six quarters of football. He is now on pace for 174 rush attempts on the season. Todd Munkin, Greg Roman, whoever is calling plays, you cannot take the playmaker out of Lamar Jackson. And we have seen that big time over these past two weeks. Dwayne, the question is, you know, just now, four weeks of the Todd Munkin experience, we've only seen Lamar throw the ball 22, 33, 31, and today, 19 times. It was Mark Andrews going absolutely bonkers on just five targets today. And he's a great player, just like Zay Flowers is a great player. But a little bit disappointing, we got to admit, in a game with no OBJ, with no Rashad Bateman, still to not get anything more out of this passing game than just one guy this week that guy being mark andrews yeah i think i mean i had two notes jotted down around the ravens and the first thing was this we just haven't really seen this offense open up now to your point they didn't have everyone today so that could have been part of the plan plus once they knew that deshaun watson was not going to be playing they're gonna be playing a rookie quarterback they might have felt okay that they could take their foot off the gas. We'll see what drop back rate over expected has to say about it tomorrow when we get that up in the utilization report. You guys can check that out. Those update every Monday morning at 9 a.m. They actually update every every day after games at 9 a.m. Eastern. You can check all that out for free over at fantasylife.com. So make sure you go do that. But that's the big thing for me. Like this is not suddenly this wide open attack. Like they are throwing the ball a little bit more, but not really a lot more. Uh, the positive, though, it does seem that they have figured out that we probably should use Lamar Jackson a little more in the design run game. Uh, he had five design rushing attempts today. He was also involved, obviously, in the scramble game. He had uh, nine total carries, so four of those were scrambles. Five of those were design rushing attempts. The other note I did have here on the Ravens, Ian, now Justice Hill was coming back from a toe injury. He was active today. Didn't play very much, but Gus Edwards clearly Clearly led the way, 71% of the snap, 63% route participation, handled 46% of the rushing attempts. Really, Lamar Jackson was the next closest guy at 27%. So of the running backs, it was clearly the Gus Edwards show. I don't know that that will stick. We'll see. It might just be Justice Hill needing to get back, you know, an, another, he had a toe injury. So maybe just needing him to be a little bit healthier. 
But just worth noting that Gus Edwards was the clear lead number one. Now he didn't do jack squat with it. He scored 6.9 fantasy points. I, you know, I was, I kept waiting, like just let one of these guys like have the role. We're probably getting 15 fantasy points automatic. Didn't work out quite that way for Gus Edwards today, but just definitely worth noting. Facing the juggernaut Browns defense. How dare you yeah, attempt to slam well, our five yard per carry King Dwayne. Yeah, I'm sorry. He'll, he'll get back on the board. Better. Too long. Better. <laughs> you're good. You're good. No, but look, when these are types of games where, yeah, we should see Gus Edwards eclipsing 15 carries, and we've seen him before fall into the end zone a couple times. Wow, that happens. Just didn't go that way today. But yeah, man, again, the right game script moving forward. Certainly could see Gus knocking on that RB2 door, especially with bye weeks here coming up in a big way. Uh, we'll note that there was another really nice touchdown. Lamar almost had to Nelson Aguilar in the corner of the end zone. Just a beautiful pass but couldn't quite get two feet down. Ended up throwing a touchdown to Andrews in the next place. So certainly did not hurt any Lamar Jackson owners. Better pass or better catch on the Andrews one? I'm saying pass, man. It reminded me of uh, the freaking catch, Montana to Clark, the way he just put it up in the top right co corner of the end zone like that, which was also a great catch, but I don't know. I guess I'm giving the throw a little more credit. You? Yeah, I, I thought both, but I thought like Andrews, like the catch he made. I mean, it's obviously... Man. He's throwing to his guy where he's like, only Mark Andrews is going to high point this, like, or it's going to get knocked down or whatever. But it, it was both. But I, I thought the catch was even better than the throw. But it, it was a good throw for sure. Not There's sure, three uh, three guys in coverage though, so anytime yeah. you see that, you're like, man, your guy better come down with it. <laughs> Might have been Olson doing this game. I forget who was doing it, but they said it was like, you know, you got to throw the ball like where the cookie jar is, where only your guy can go up there and get it. I thought that was a good note over there. With the Browns, uh, we did have, you know, sadly, burn victim David Njoku going through and having himself a nice game. Six catches, 46 yards. But really, Dwayne, otherwise wasn't much to write home about. As we found out, you know, hey, I love me some DTR in the preseason as well, but having very little time to get your mind right against a defense like the Ravens, there was no way that was ever going to go great. So don't completely write the rookie off for the future. But yes, you know, we were getting some big time preseason hype tweets there with uh, DTR potentially being someone to challenge for our number one job, Dwayne. I think we saw today. Those were a little bit misguided. But all that to say, the one thing we do need to talk about with Cleveland, who again does have a week five bye, is what we're seeing out of this backfield. So Dwayne, this was a game that was 21 to three at halftime. So certainly had some blowout game script involved. But what did you see from the utilization in game two? with Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, and Pierre Strong, drunk, Pierre Strong Jr. without Nick Chubb. I like the sound like you said, Pierre Strong drunk. He was yeah, drunk. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah, man, we've got a trend here. Um, same thing we saw last week. Only 38% of the rushing attempts went to Jerome Ford, but he still led the team in snaps, 62%. He was out there for the passing down, 63% route participation. Got a bump up this week, 22% targets per route run. He was sitting at 14% on the season. This is a guy that wasn't a high-end target earner in college. Has not been a high-end high target earner so far in his NFL career. Obviously, very small sample on that guy, so he could change our minds on that. Definitely that 22% today is going to help him, but that's, look, it isn't what you put 90% of your fab on. I'll tell you that. You thought you were getting a guy that was going to give you 65% of the rushing attempts, so He's going to have to perform really well in the passing game and actually outkick expectations of what we have of him as a receiver. Always a chance. Always a chance. Um, Bruce, I know Bruce is going to come after me on Twitter tomorrow. Like, if I don't say there's a chance, he's going to tell me that he, you know, politely disagrees with me. He's always <laughs> polite. You don't have to be polite to me, Bruce. Just tell me I'm a dumbass. Um, just kidding. We love you, Bruce. Um, but with Jerome Ford, like, it is two weeks of a trend. So, it, look, it's not a terrible role. It's just not what you put 90%, 85% of your fab on. 
uh, whenever you grabbed him. 9.5 fantasy points today. Obviously, a lot of that is attached to the quarterback. They weren't able to get much going. You have to think in a game with Deshaun Watson, that probably turns into more points for him. Ian. Like So a lot of this does come back to who you're playing quarterback with for the day. So uh, not the greatest news, but still a solid role. It's a solid role. That that's a mid range to low mid range to low end running back too, as long as he keeps his routes in that sixty five percent range, and if he can continue to earn targets like he did today. And if he keeps making really awesome plays and Watson comes back and is doing good things and we have a higher scoring offense, maybe he gets even closer to that RB1 borderline. But I hear you, not exactly that 90% fab worthy. Only other note is, again, not trying to take too much away from the receivers because I know what they were going through. But Elijah Moore, man, let's not run backwards 25 yards and then lose oh two God. fantasy points I did right see there. that play. Oh, my goodness, man. Like, just waiting for my guy to make some sort of big play. And, you know, especially, too, like when you're watching Red Zone, you see some of these plays and it starts going south. You're like, okay, this is either going to be really, really good or really, really bad. And that did never quite turn around the way we were hoping, Dwayne. But, again, shout out to Lamar Jackson and company on that big AFC North. I have win. so much Elijah Moore. And I did see that play, and I felt like the disappointed dad. I was just like, Elijah, you know, just like Amanda's like, who are you yelling at? Like, who's Elijah? What's wrong with you? I was like, you know, it's like I have 50% of this guy on my team's babe. She's like, oh, you're not winning. I'm like, no, I'm not. We're losing at life right now. So, so far, so far, <laughs> so far. Oh, we're we'll going yeah, to turn it around. We'll turn it around. Broncos took down the Bears 31 to 28 after trailing 28 to three. Or no, it wasn't quite 28 to three. 28 to seven in this one. They were trailing. Uh, it pushed with Broncos as three-point favorites. The overcash with ease at 47. Congratulations, Bears fans. You currently hold the top two picks in the 2024 NFL draft. Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. could be yours if you and the what Panthers keep on sucking. I think that's how it goes. Regardless, Bears, yeah, congrats on that. And you know, we'll get to fields in the second but starting with the winners Dwayne Russell Wilson ninth passing touchdown of the year in week four I don't know if you guys remember the great you know bathroom debate of 2022 with Russ not having as many passing touchdowns as he has bathrooms in his mansion but it took him until week 14 last year to reach that ninth touchdown mark that again he threw today so good job by Russ he found everyone's least favorite fantasy player who scores his own touchdowns and nullifies his teammates Brandon Johnson got one Cortland Sutton got a mop-up one at the end of the game Angela Leo McClellan, Dwayne, really started taking over here after Javante Williams was lost for the game with a hip injury. The good news is it was ruled to be a hip flexor, and he is not expected to miss much, if any time. That said, man, like, Jaleel has been playing a little bit throughout the season, obviously more so today. And just looking at it, dude, yards per carry. Jaleel's at seven. Pirine's at 3.7. Javante's at 3.6. The missed tackles force the yards after contact numbers. They're not even close, man. And I know Javante pre-injury was an absolute dog. I think it's fair to say Jaleel has looked like the best running back in Denver this year, man. How worried are you about Javante now coming back from a hip injury and potentially entering not a two-prong committee, but potentially three somewhat evenly involved running backs here in a Denver offense that is doing better, but also not exactly a juggernaut? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have to be concerned uh, because we've had a trend now over the last three games of them slowly kind of working McLaughlin into the mix. Um, I will say real quick. So Jeff Mueller at JM thrive PT on Twitter, you guys make sure you go follow him. He did follow up uh, on the tweet. I put out about the splits after the Javante injury. He said he's projecting Javante Williams to miss one to two games at a minimum. Next okay. game is in seven days, then 11 days for a short week on Thursday night football for week six. 
um, ruled out quickly, likely at least a grade two. Um, so this was a hip flexor injury for him. So yeah, looking at the utilization after the Javante Williams injury, um, you had Samaji P. Ryan with 56% of the snaps, 39% of the rushing attempts, 29% route participation. He had five fantasy points, so not much to write home about. Jalil McLaughlin, 38% of the snaps, 46% of the rushing attempts. So actually bested P. Ryan in the carry department. And this is kind of weird, route participation. P. Ryan's the guy we thought came in to be the passing down back. No, 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 no. 43% <laughs> route participation to Jalil McLaughlin. He gave you 10 fantasy points. He did score a touchdown. So looking at these two, like if you're in a really deep league, Obviously, Piron's gone in most leagues, but Jalil McLaughlin is a guy that if you're playing in those deeper formats, he could be a guy you might use for a week or two. And yes, Ian, I am I am concerned about Javante Williams. Like already coming back from an injury, now picks up another injury, and now we potentially have this three-way rotation. Look, Javante's going to be the lead guy, but you've said it many times. We can deal with two. We just don't need three. We Even if it's just a guy getting 15 20%, it's... it's it's too much. It just muddies the waters. You can never just really have that big day other than when you get lucky and you break like two super long runs. So yeah. I think it is a challenge for Javante Williams. It's obviously really bad for Piran because we thought that Piran would really be like, this would be more of a 1A, 1B, and it's not now that we've got the three-way split. Again, can't say enough good things about not just that role, but also just how much Jaleel did make the most of it. 72 rushing yards on the afternoon. 70 of those did come after contact. So just like oh, his, the Broncos, his touchdown was called back, wasn't it? Yeah. No, he got he one. A, it was receiving. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if he had 70 yards, then I had his fantasy points wrong. How many? See, we missed had like 13 fantasy points. I had him at 10. I screwed Three up. catches, anyway. 32 yards and a tutty, and he also had 72 rushing yards. So yeah, no, we got up okay. there. Yeah, okay. So I messed something up on the points, but cool. All good in the hood. So again, a little bit of a, hey, they played the Bears, and we're going to talk about the Bears if they played the Broncos. But, you know, for me, when you are really impressing and not just getting handed these big-time chunks of yardage, I will take note of that. Final note here is the pass game weapons. Marvin Mims had a 48-yard bomb to help set up that game ceiling and just winning, I guess I should say, field goal. And he now, Dwayne, leads the Denver Broncos in receiving with 242 yards little the yeah. year. Little Go bit ahead. of a shakeup here. Um, and we had heard from Sean Payton that they would there would be some changes in personnel. It wasn't a huge shift, but it was a season high for Marvin Mims, 39% route participation. So his high before this had been under 30%. So definitely picking up a little bit of steam. Um, targets per route run, solid as usual at seven, okay, 17%, but the 3.92 yards per route run. Like this guy's like the the yards per route run king, which is a data point that strongly correlates to future success and fantasy. Now, again, we're dealing with a really small sample, but this was a guy that scored really well in the fantasy life wide receiver supermodel. Also something else you guys can check out for free over at fantasylife.com. In fact, the only guy that went in the second round that scored nearly as high as the first round wide receivers and draft capital does count in the model. So very impressive that he was able to do that. Um, so uh, it is a positive. It came in the, it came from Jerry Judy though. We don't like that, Ian. 77% nope. route participation for Jerry Judy, but was really the second best receiver on the team. 21% targets per route run was the best receiver, sorry, on the team today. 21% targets per route run had 19% of the targets. Cortland Sutton was out there 94% of the time, but had a 19% target share. So, not earning targets at the same rate. And Jerry Judy had 53% of the air yards today, a 2.17 yards per route run. So still keeping the candle lit for Jerry Judy, but come on, man. Like, 
let's get Jerry Judy and Marvin Mims on the field together, Sean Payton. Let's not like Mims taking away from Judy. Brandon Johnson did come down some. He had been like in that 50 to 60% route participation range. So some of this did come from him as well. That's what we want to see. Sorry, Brandon. Like, but we want Judy Sutton and Marvin Mims on the field together. With Judy, again, you mentioned those air yards. He had a chance for a deep one. I sure thought he got hit early as he was trying to go make that catch. Refs didn't. They know more than me, so it is what it is. But, yeah, led the team in receiving. Had a team-high five targets. The problem was, Dwayne, 11 different Broncos had between one and five targets out there. So, Russ really was spreading the football around and accordingly sent my Jerry Judy helicopter straight down to hell. But, as always, <laughs> you just had the helicopter on the wrong side of the game. You just had it. You, just, no. you were so close, Ian. It was just dj so more like so you know your dream was wrong or zebra the, did, did the zebra tell you this one or what <laughs> it's the first one i think the previous low was like 14 ppr points or something so we haven't been killing you guys too much this year uh next week i That's thought the thought process was great the process so. is right yeah uh, final note here was pretty funny. Philip Lindsay out of nowhere tweeted, where are the receivers? All that money out there to be no-shows. And Judy quote tweeted it later and said, glad you got to watch the game from the crib, fam. So I thought that was a pretty good comeback there from Judy. Uh, Would have been cool if he scored, you know, more fancy points, though. On to the Bears. And this is what I was kind of hinting at before, Dwayne. We're like, I know a lot of people are just going to look at this Justin Fields game and say, it was the Broncos. They just, you know, gave up 70 freaking points to the Dolphins. It was the Broncos. It was the Broncos. Broncos. I don't care who it was, man, with some of these throws. He put a freaking clinic on out there for a good 45 minutes of the afternoon. The arm angles, dropping it into the bucket to DJ Moore again and again. Yes, there were a few gimmies. I'm not saying Cole Komet, you know, had to really work that hard for all of his yards. But again, for a quarterback, Dwayne, who to this point had never thrown for over 300 yards and like we didn't really know this was even in Fields' potential range of outcomes. If you would have told someone that he was going to put up this upside QB1 performance, they would have said, how long was his touchdown run? That's not what happened here, man. Only 25 yards on the ground. Still showed he could do it with the scramble. I guess all you got to do is take Chase Claypool off the field, and Justin Fields starts looking like the guy that we saw come out of Ohio State. So just overall thoughts on the performance, man. Because, again, when I pulled the data, highest PFF passing grade of the entire early slate, four big-time throws. Looked really, really good out there, man. Yeah, from what I saw, and again, I did not get to get eyes on all this stuff. Um, I got eyes on as much as I can. I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to watch a lot of these games tomorrow morning as I'm writing the utilization report. I'm gonna have them all playing, but this is one of the ones I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I mean, an 80% completion rate. <laughs> like so, anytime you complete 80% of your passes in the NFL, and I'd look over, and the next number I see is not like a 4.2 a dot. No, right. it's an 8.9. <laughs> like I'm gonna be pretty impressed. And so, yeah, I think. It was obviously a great game for Fields. It was against a bad defense. But look, you can only play the opponent across from you. So expectations should have been high for Justin Fields today. Well, he came out and he, he actually exceeded like those expectations. I really like Justin Fields this week. I wrote about him in my rankings and tears article. But I didn't think he was going to throw for 335 <laughs> yards. I thought he was going to throw for like 250 and bust off like an 80-yard run, like what you said, or, you know, break off a couple runs and get 70, 80 yards rushing, come up with a rushing touchdown. But yeah, throwing four passing touchdowns. He did overthrow. I did see that play overthrew Cole Komet late in the game that, in, that for the interception that ultimately ended the game. So I know a lot of people are going to cling on to that. But look, when you drop back 41 times in a game and you attempt 35 passes, chances are, I mean, look, you're going to have a pick. Like it's going to happen. Um, so I'm not going to like overly think that, but yeah, I think this shows us that there is more upside in the passing game and that Justin feels like, look, 
I'm glad this happened because people were teetering. Like I was, I was really having to tell people, do not sell Justin Fields. Like, should I trade him? Should I cut him? Dude, he's cut right now, Ian. I believe on one of our teams in, you know, I think it's FFPC. I couldn't believe it. Like I wrote it down, actually. We didn't cut him. Yeah. No, we didn't cut okay, him. Okay. But he's been cut. That. He's he was actually cut on Jeez. one of these teams where, yeah, people don't get cut. So I'm telling you, people <laughs> were really down on Justin Fields. It wasn't just like, you know, people playing in smaller leagues texting me and asking me this or DMing, DMing me this stuff on Twitter. A lot of angst around Fields. So at least he came through enough that now you guys know. Don't go cut him because he still can be the QB1 on any given week. And again, it was the Broncos, but also he, it's not like he was facing potential, you know, layups week after week to start. Starting to get back into that, though, moving forward. Washington, Minnesota, Vegas, and the Los Angeles Chargers up on deck. Wouldn't be surprised if we see Fields kind of, Dwayne, do exactly what he did the last two years, overcome a slow start with some big-time fancy goodness. Whether he becomes the Bears' future under center remains to be seen, but at least for 2023, Dwayne, feeling much better about Fields as that upside QB1 we drafted him to be after the performance and also same goes for dj Moore. buck 31 and a tutty on eight catches today looked very good doing it and now low-key Dwayne on pace for 1279 yards and eight and a half touchdowns this year so four game paces i mean we can make anyone sound really good but hey dj Moore, upside wide receiver three and even cole commit man bringing down the two touchdowns i'm assuming on a very high route rate look First game ever with 300 plus yards. I'm not getting overzealous. I said upside wide receiver three for a reason. Cole Komet's probably going to stay in that touchdown, you know, touchdown dependent tight end two range, but it's good news, Dwayne. We can say that. Yeah. DJ Moore's a good receiver. Newsflash to no one, right? Like he's, he's not like a wide receiver one talent. He's a wide receiver two talent playing on an offense that makes him what you just said, a wide receiver three with upside. Cause when they have the games like this, where they function more like a high volume, high, uh, you know, yardage passing team, he can be that wide receiver two, wide receiver one. Today's going to be a wide receiver one performance, 27.1 fantasy points in a PPR league from DJ Moore. And again, this is another one of those things back to the Calvin Ridley conversation we had earlier. Guys, we're only four games in. Like some these guys are going to bounce around a little bit. And I know it can be super annoying, especially if you're trying to decide things like Gabriel Davis versus DJ Moore each week. Like it's the talent of DJ Moore versus the volume of the Bills passing game. Look, we go through the same things, and I don't always make the right lineup decisions either, but just know, like, these guys that are really good at football, typically they're going to come through eventually over the course of the season and super early in the season, I think, is Ian whenever we get the most worried about these things because we're in four games. We're like, man, I haven't had a good game yet from DJ Moore. Like, I've had three duds, and I know it's tough, it's painful, but he's still a good player. Um, I would say it, it might be a sell-high moment on him, though. Like if some now suddenly people are back in on him, like, oh my God, they see the 27 points. He really is what you just said. He's a wide receiver three that can give you this sort of upside when things click correctly for the bears in the passing game. The question is how often do we think things are going to click this well for the bears in the passing game? Maybe not again this year, right? He's Justin Fields obviously showed us. We just talked and we just, you know, basically like spilled our guts out about how (laughs) nice it was to see Justin Fields do these things. Yeah, he can have a 300-yard passing game. He's not going to have many games like this where he throws four touchdowns. Most weeks, we're going to be hoping that Justin Fields can get to 230, 250 yards passing and throw two touchdowns. So you got to think about, even if DJ Moore is having a really good game, what's his piece of that pie? That's what makes him that wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. 
And it's a great point about now being the time to sell high on a player whose utilization you don't like, whose role on the team you don't like, but who's coming off an actual good game so you can yes. sell high on them, man. I'm getting asked this morning if they should be cutting bait with Najee Harris and Damian Pierce. And it's like, look, I don't see things getting a lot better, but cutting bait with them right now is not going to give you any level of good return. At least wait until game they fall into the end zone once or twice first with it. So great point there, Dwayne. And just speaking of some running backs, Khalil Herbert coming out here, yeah, man. man. As much as everyone wants Roshan Johnson to happen, and Roshan Johnson could very well be the next big thing. I've seen, you know, the body BMI mass and just his speed and all that. I get it. I'm not hitting on Roshan Johnson. I am praising Khalil Herbert, man. We've known this guy is good, Dwayne. We were having the same free Khalil Herbert over Dave Montgomery literally this time last year. Now it's a different running back pair. But Khalil Herbert, man, last season, number one in next-gen stats, rushing yards, above expectation and guess what yes it was the broncos for the hundredth time but he also man made the most out of those opportunities weak high tie with derrick henry i should say nine missed tackles force he looked explosive and it's not just a one-off game against the broncos Dwayne. we've seen herbert really do this throughout his limited opportunities in his limited career this is rb1 usage right here not a guarantee to stick just one data point but a good data point nonetheless for khalil herbert yeah, he dominated today. 79% of the offensive snaps, 63% route participation. That's an area where, you know, we had concerns. Could Roshan take that work? 58% of the rushing attempts. And it's, look, if there's anything here, like, that would make us think it's just, ah, oh, it's one data point. Is it, is, is it just Khalil Herbert's team when they have a lead? Because they led pretty much the whole game. Yeah. So I think that's the one thing we don't know for sure, why we can't just for sure, like put a stake in the ground and say, we know that cool Herbert is the guy, uh, but 22.2 fantasy points today. And I take this, I'm definitely leaning into cool Herbert being the lead back moving forward, but we can't like say it's an absolute just right. because they did lead so much in this game, but he looked really good. 11% of his carries went for 10 plus yards. So very explosive. And those are things to your point. We've seen these things from cool Herbert in the past. And we've kind of just been saying this, just feed this guy. Like good yeah. things are going to happen if you feed Khalil Herbert. So I'm really hoping, and again, I'm like you, it's nothing against Roshan, but you've already got Justin Fields also involved in the run game. Like I just really want to see one running back. Honestly, it can be Khalil Herbert or Roshan. <laughs> I just don't want to see the split between those two plus Justin Fields getting his. That makes it a tough, a tough situation to navigate. So they're both good players. But I think Khalil Herbert has shown us. I think what he's shown us over the early part of his career, like he deserves this opportunity. And if he gets it, this is an RB1 workload. If they give him this type of work every week, even on the Bears, because the first thing, and you already mentioned with Justin Fields, the first thing someone responds with, against the Broncos. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I get it. But like he went out and did his thing and he earned the role. So the role is something where hope carries over, right? Yeah, it won't be against the Broncos every week, but really the point is he was in an RB1 worthy role. If you're out there 79% of the snaps, like if you're a good player, like we think Khalil Herbert is, you're going to score some fantasy points, even in tougher matchups. Final note is that, again, the Bears did ask the number 32 overall pick of the 2023 draft to stay home. So we'll see what kind of the trade market is out there for Maple Jordan, a.k.a. Chase Claypool. But, yeah, that trade is not aging all that well, Dwayne, mm. at this point in time. Titans took down the Bengals 27 to three out there. They were two and a half point home dogs made that look easy under dig cash at 41 and a half. 
Thank God, Dwayne, we can move past that stupid ass stat that everyone kept floating around about Derrick Henry not having a single broken tackle on the year. Which I'm not going to call true it anyway. I know it's not true. We all freaked out about him stiff arming some dude the shadow realm back in week one. And then someone just sends out a stat about it. Just makes me angry, man. Like, look, the site doing your, and I get their subjective analytics at a certain point, but like, just don't tweet even, don't even tweet something out like that if you just know it's wrong. It's not helping anything and it's just not fair to Derrick Henry. So, yeah, he forced nine today, guys. So, can we please, for the love of God, shut up about that stat? Thank you. Also, Dwayne not only ran for 122 yards and a touchdown, but as Booby Miles' father would say, and he can pass one yard score from the two yard line. They've done that a handful of times now, and it never gets old. Also, shout out to Tajay Spears. 22 yard run reversing field continues to be Dwayne, someone that I just can't recommend strongly enough. If you guys have that second quarterback, the the Kenny Pickett that's on your roster, and you don't even know why, you know, you try to drop him on waivers for some else but you just don't win and you keep sunday morning why he's still on my team why what are you even doing here he doesn't even go here like pick up someone like tajay spears if you're able to because he is going to be on the cover of every single waiver wire article god forbid anything ever happened to king henry knocking on wood don't want anything to happen to king henry and as we see when he's out there you start him Dwayne. i think the more interesting takeaway if you know don't need to spend a ton of time on it but ryan Tannehill in the passing game second time this year they've had to come back from a truly dreadful performance but they did man 240 yards on 9.6 yards per attempt average Tenny looked good and they were so close man early in the game beautiful design you know flea flicker throwback he had hopkins deep for a potential 46 yard touchdown just off his fingertips in the back of the end zone would have been a ridiculous catch, but we almost expect Hopkins to make those ridiculous catches. Definitely not a drop. Don't want to be too harsh on Tanny. Just sucks to see him that close. But Dwayne, now through four weeks, DeAndre Hopkins has 39.6 PPR points. Nick Westbrook Akini has 37.4. Talk about the usage we saw without Traylon Burks in action here in this Titans passing game. Yeah, I will. And I'm going to hit a real quick on Henry too. Cool. I'll start, start with Hopkins. Um, 69% route participation. So I, I don't know how much of this is tied to the ankle thing. He was taken off the injury report. It was a this blowout week. too. It was a blowout, but I checked it. It was also the same thing in the first quarter. Oh my gosh. So, now yeah. I'm sick. He had, he had a 65% route participation in the first half. So I think we have to downgrade DeAndre Hopkins. Um, his, he's again, clearly still an alpha target earner. 27% targets per route run today. That's that's one of the best in the league. He's still one of the best in the league at earning targets, but right now he's not in a full-time role in an offense that if they have their way, want to run the ball. We can't necessarily blame him because you just talked a little bit about Ryan Tannehill. He did play a little better today, but what we've seen you know, from Tannehill over these first few games is definitely not some of the Tannehill magic we saw two seasons ago. We'll throw last season out because of the ankle injury that he was battling through for much of the season, but it's uh, it's tough right now. Like I, I'm thinking eventually he gets back to a full-time role. I, but I don't know for sure. Now, is this just a rotation? You also, uh, you know, when you look at the Titans today, you also had, what was it? Sorry. Yeah. It was Chris Moore also yeah. out there. 75% oh. route participation and, and 88% for Nick Westbrook, Akini. Uh, and then you had, you know, something called a Colton Dowell that had to get onto the field for 22% of the routes as well. So I, this is it's really titans uh, i mean not titans it's really falcons-esque like and they're two kind of similar coaches 
So I, I don't know what to say for sure, but we have to downgrade DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's barely a wide receiver three until we start seeing more playing time. You can't just dump him though, because as soon as they give him a full-time role, like he could still, even in this offense, earn between seven and nine targets a game. And that's still going to put you back into wide receiver two territory. We just need him out there all the time. Um, real quick on Derrick Henry. I want your thoughts here, Ian. Like yeah. you mentioned all the great things about him, but we did talk about him. We had an awesome show that didn't get to come out this last week. You did your 10 <sighs> questions. Derrick Henry was one of those things. Look, things, things happen. We'll watch the film get better. Uh, but we talked about Derrick Henry. Like, what are we doing with him? Are we panicking? And we talked about the matchup being really good against the Bengals. You need him to come out and smash. And if he does, my thought on that unpublished show was that we would actually sell. Let's sell on Derrick Henry. So if you've got him, do you, are you willing to now sell? Or now that you've seen it, you're like, oh no, no, I have Derrick Henry. I want to keep Derrick Henry. I am down to sell him as the RB1 that he was today. I'm not down yes. to sell him again as this RB2 in a terrible offense that he was the previous couple of weeks. So if it's Derrick Henry for Michael Pittman, for George Pickens, for Tyler Lockett, with all due respect to those wide receivers, I'm probably keeping the big dog, Dwayne. But if we're all of a sudden getting up to guys, you know, maybe like a Chris Olave, maybe like, I don't know, a Calvin Ridley or something like that, that's when I'm a little more willing to hear that out. Is that fair? I think that's perfect. I think that's the right. I think that is the sweet spot. You know, obviously you're looking at your roster, you're doing your thing. You know, you may be willing to accept a little bit less if you really need a wide receiver, but I would say make sure that they've got some upside to them. But no, I think that's a good range. You just laid out. Final note here is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yeah, being the league's worst passing offense at this point. I don't Bro. really want to shit on the guys because clearly Burrow is playing through a ton of pain with the calf and it's throwing everything off. But explosive pass play rate, yards per attempt, passing touchdown rate, and just pure deep ball pass attempt rate dead ass last for the Bengals starting to get a little chippy they asked Jamar Chase about you know some of his lack of production after the game which to be fair still seven catches for 73 yards but he just noted that I'm open I am always fucking open Jamar Chase quote not just me cursing for no reason that's what he said so Dwayne, this is miserable. Uh, you and me in our fantasy ranks this week, you had Burrow as QB 15, Item as QB 17. It's life right now, but coming off that Rams game where we did see a nice leap forward relative to what we saw in those first two weeks, really, really disheartening performance here against a defense that, again, is supposed to be the get-right spot for every passing game with the way they always funnel production through the air. No, losing T. Higgins very early in this game with, you know, fractured ribs that could be keeping him off the field for a little bit per Ian Rappaport is pretty freaking far from ideal. But on the other side of things, man, like if that's going to be the new reality here, I'm even more terrified of trusting anyone in this offense at this point, not named Jamar Chase or to a lesser extent, Joe Mixon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I think for now with Burrow, like we just have to leave him kind of where we had him this week, which is that mid range QB two. And they just have to prove it. Obviously, if you have Jamar Chase, you're starting him every week. And he's still fine. Like, he had nine yeah. targets today. Like, he's going to get his targets. We're just not getting the big plays out of it. So it's not even so much about Chase not getting his looks. You know, I know he's, I'm always open. I mean, but nine targets is a good game. You yeah. know, I mean, we can't all be Puka Nakua and have 20 <laughs> every game. So I, I still feel fine about Jamar Chase. You don't have the ceiling until we get Joe Burrow back playing. But I think specifically with Burrow, We've got to leave him as that mid-range QB2 until he actually shows us he deserves to be back in that top 6-7 where he belongs. Dwayne, how many rushing yards do you think Joe Burrow has this year? Uh, One? Three. 
Yeah, I knew it had to be bad. And like, I know we're I'm, not. <laughs> I have to go in and nerf it in the projections because the projections don't like know he's hurt. Like it will, it does like weight part of what he's done this year. But I, I mean, he's one of the first guys I go check and I just put, oh, it says he's going to have, you know, four yards minus three. <laughs> Dude, he had 16 rushing yards per game, scored five touchdowns last year. I know my man's isn't Justin Fields or anything, but that's, that's like. Yeah. That's like a Justin Herbert level rushing floor. Like that legit helps over the course of a season. And we're just getting nothing with that right now. So yeah, Joe Burrow for all intents and purposes, man. I mean, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Stafford, all these guys. And I wouldn't be surprised to just be straight up playing those guys ahead of Joe Burrow until we see anything. I would buy him low though. I would buy him low. The problem with buying him low is you're going to need to carry two quarterbacks because you're going to want to start someone else over him. Right. Until <laughs> until he's ready. But I would try to buy Joe Burrow low. I would try to buy Jamar Chase low. It wasn't necessarily a super low game for Chase, and he just had the boom the week before. So I don't know how that'll go for you. Um, but I would be trying to get Burrow. I I I just know Burrow's too good and this offense is too good to stay like this all year. This is probably just an early season issue by week eight or nine. I don't think we'll be talking about this anymore, but you will still have to show some patience and you're gonna need to be able to carry two quarterbacks. Chase called this man in like August. We called out that quote too and said it was worrisome when he said, I wish my guy would just take a couple games off and come back when he is truly healthy. One and three Bengals spiraling fast, but I am with you, Dwayne. I do think they get it figured out by the end of the year. Far too much evidence again over the past few years of them being so lethal. Hard to believe that is completely gone. More so just those injury gods being dicks at the moment. Rams took down the Colts 29-23. Rams covered as one and a half point favorites. Was not easy. I mean, this game going into the fourth quarter was 23 to 8. Looking like the Rams were going to run away with it, but Anthony Richardson and company made it interesting. Overcashed at 44 and a half with a little bit of help from that overtime madness. So yeah, Dwayne, Puka Nakua. It's his world. We are all just living in it. Nine catches, buck 63 in his first NFL touchdown. That, you know, yeah, came on a blown cover. So if you really want to ding them down to 130 real yards, go for it. But, you know, also something, sadly, again, in our unreleased questions episode from last week, talking about this Colts defense being really like the least man-heavy group in the entire league. This was destined to be the matchup that we saw Stafford get Puka and also two touchdown 100-yard rusher Kyron Williams back into the guys that we saw in those first few weeks of the year. So over the past 10 years now, just three players have gained over 500 receiving yards in weeks one through four justin jefferson this year with 543 2018 julio jones with 502 and of course 2023 puka nakua with 501 i hope cooper cup is back this week Dwayne. it sounds like they are going to open up the timetable and when you do activate someone from ir you have when you open up the practice window yeah you have 21 days so you know not guaranteed to get him back this week but there's a hilarious scenario and I want Cup to be back in week five. That's the main point I'm getting out here. But like Cup might not, if he doesn't make it back till week seven or week eight, it's going to be like, oh, now Cup's here. Puka might already have a thousand yards or something, man. Like this <laughs> pace is so ridiculous. Yeah, man. Wide receiver one until Cup gets back. And even once Cup gets back, you know, if we get half of that production, Dwayne, we're talking about a wide receiver too. Yeah, man. And here's the thing. Like Stafford just hasn't thrown a lot of touchdowns yet. Like those are going to come with how good the offense is playing. So like Stafford got picked up like two weeks ago and I saw a ton of people cut him back last weekend. So like Stafford's a guy like if I've got Joe Burrow, man, I would love to have Matthew Stafford like to start for a few weeks because I think the touchdowns are eventually going to come. And once you have Cooper Cup 
and you have Puka Nakua <laughs> playing together. And Atwell is really like we, yeah. he's getting lost in the shuffle here because Puka's been so great. But Tutu Atwell has made huge strides in his third year. He's a guy that can get vertical. He can play from the slot. He can give you run after the catch ability. He had nine targets today. And we're not even talking about him, right? I mean, because Puka's like getting so, Puka had a 26% target share today. Tyler Higby had a 28% target share today. Yeah. So Higby yeah. even got back in the act a little yeah. bit. But my biggest thing here is like, I think Matthew Stafford like still has a chance to be like a top 10 quarterback because the touchdowns eventually are going to come. We've already seen the passing yards. I think what three games now out of four, Ian Matthew Stafford has eclipsed 300 yards. I feel like that's right. I, I could be off, but I do think Stafford has done that. So I, I, I think Stafford is like my biggest takeaway from this game. This is a guy that still is probably a sleeper quarterback. If he is available, if he is on your wire and you're really having a rough start of it at quarterback, I think bigger days are to come for the Rams via touchdowns. And like quickly on Kyron, man, dude, I know there was the article that came out this week where they were like, we know we can't keep giving him this workload. But even in the same article, it said, well, the way the game went, we couldn't really get the other, AKA you don't trust your other running backs, right? So, okay, great. So basically Kyron's going to keep playing everything. He came down a little bit, the 73% of the snap, 69% rush attempts, 64% route participation, 23% target share and 28 fantasy points. Dude, like I, Kyron's a league winner. Kyron Williams is a league winner. The only thing that can derail this guy, two things. One would be injury. The other thing would be they trade for Jonathan Taylor. Like yeah. that's it. They're, the Rams don't have anybody on this, on this depth chart right now. I mean, Ronnie Rivers ain't pushing him for a job. Zach Evans can't even get to active status. So I, I think right now, as much as they may talk about not wanting to ride Kyron, it's going to be really tough to not have him on the field. You know, he went from high 90s, even had that 100% snap rate game to 73%, but that was with a huge first half lead. And we'll take 73%, Dwayne, when you're getting 28 combined carries and targets. Like, again, arguably at this point, the most fantasy friendly role in the league. Not quite there. We'll give CMC the benefit of the doubt. But, but right there. To your point, it's a CMC type role. Quick correction on my part. 11% target share, guys. Sorry, not 23%, but still awesome. Sorry, Ian, keep going. If you just did player A, player B, like it'd be hard to tell which one is CMC yes. and Kyron based on their usage, and that is crazy. And their fantasy points are still close. Like if you yeah. have no name tag <laughs> and you just have their utilization and fantasy points, it'd be like, you know, the old Pepsi Coke challenge. Like a lot of people <laughs> wouldn't know which one was CMC and which one was Kyron Williams. That's just the way it is. Kyron now on pace for 1,470 total yards and 25 and a half touchdowns. Not too shabby for the second year Notre Dame product. I did see something from a 32 beat writers. Just again, can't say enough great things about that account, yeah, but they were saying how Stafford was having trouble walking around, but stayed in, didn't see anything injury. official. Okay. Just banged hip up. Injury Stafford already said no ways missing time, but, but he did battle a hip injury at one point last year as well so yeah it's something we'll definitely have to monitor and they do a lot of play action stuff where they roll yeah. them out they get him on these boots so they like to move stafford around quite a bit so we'll just need to keep an eye on that good job keeping him relatively cleaner even if he did suffer that injury wouldn't it be surprised if it happened last week when he had that season high 50 percent pressure rate only under pressure on 20.9 percent of his dropbacks on sunday so good job for the most part rams o line but Dwayne, again this was a game that looked like it was going to be over in a major way in favor yeah, of the man. rams but anthony richardson man two touchdowns through the air 200 passing yards you know when you go 11 for 25 but you're chucking that thing downfield like there's no tomorrow man it can still work out in favor 
fantasy land. Also 10 carries, 56 yards on the ground and chipped in another well-designed short touchdown rush. And that's kind of been my thing here, man. Like it's not only just Richardson's usage because, you know, we've seen that and then it feels like, all right, guys, I know this game sucked and he didn't look good, but look at this great usage. Like it's going to come around and be better. It looks great, man. He's averaging 5.7 yards per carry. I mean, just for reference, like Lamar is at 5.1. Fields is at 4.5. Hertz is at 3.3. Richardson is getting ridiculous usage to the point that he's had double-digit rush attempts in both of his full starts this year. He's got four rushing touchdowns in basically two and a quarter games. And again, double-digit carries in both those two full starts. So, Dwayne, someone that I know, I think we all pretty much had top six, top eight. The only reason that I was like at all concerned about Richardson this week was like, okay, you know, of course I got asked by Golden Tate. He, he finally, after I blew his uh, quarterback start set decision in week one, three weeks later, he comes back to me. He asked me Tua or Anthony Richardson again. And I said Tua, Dwayne. So now you're going to have to answer Golden's fantasy questions here <laughs> for the next few weeks while he finds it in his heart to forgive me once again. So I'm sorry about that, Golden. But Dwayne, Anthony Richardson, like, are we just here in the top five at this point? This kid's incredible. Yeah, I think he's a lock at top 10, and he showed you what his ceiling is. We've This is the first full game we've gotten from him. Remember, in week one, when he got knocked out of that game, they were like That's they true. were inside the 10-yard line. They're he at was the one-yard line. He, yeah, he was probably about to score. either. He was either going to throw for a touchdown or probably run it in, and he was probably running it in. The next game, we start off hot. You get two rushing touchdowns out of the gate. He gets the concussion. He misses week three. We get our first full game with Anthony Richardson. What does he do? He drops a 30 burger. So yeah, like dude, I, I love Anthony Richardson. Um, I do think he has top six upside. He's basically like you drafted Justin Fields, what people were drafting in round four, you drafted in round nine or 10 of your fantasy draft. And then some of you guys drafted him even later. So yeah. And again, we talked about this and you've mentioned it so many times, you know, rich rebar, like it's the cheat code. Like the rushing ability is the cheat code. It's so hard to fail in fantasy. You may not, he still may not be an elite NFL quarterback. We don't know. But in fantasy, he's for sure going to score points this year. I will say we did see the accuracy bug like bite him today. Only a 44% completion rate. So up until now, over the first two games, that had not been an issue. It definitely was for him today. And we've talked about that. But that's the beauty of whenever you can handle this. Dude, he had 20 5% of the team's design rushing attempts. That is Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson territory. That's top, 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 top of the food chain. You know, Justin Fields is the other guy. So he's in that range now where he is so ingrained and so incorporated into the team scheme and everything that they want to do. It is going to be really hard for him, Ian, to finish outside the top 10. And I think you're right. I do think he has top six upside. Michael Pittman's streak of three games with eight or more receptions sadly comes to an end here. One catch, 15 scoreless yards dud. That is going to be a reality in this offense. But again, three straight really good weeks from Pittman. Still in that wide receiver two conversation. This was a down game, as Dwayne said earlier. Can't crush them all. Shout out Mo Ali Cox, 35-yard touchdown run. Stumbling and bumbling. That man is so freaking large. Just like the create a player, <laughs> tight end, road to glory mode, whatever you want to call it. Love seeing my guy Mo Ali Cox make some plays um only other two notes here alec pierce in the concussion protocol so keep an eye out for that and Dwayne zach moss still getting that workhorse role 81 percent snaps 18 carries one target again couldn't find the end zone this week that was for anthony richardson once they got around that goal line but hey still not sure what's happening with jonathan taylor if jonathan taylor stays out zach moss stays in the top 12 
Yeah. I got no other notes on that usage. I guess the only thing I would say is like <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, if he's back in this offense, if they gave him Zach Moss's role, oh my God. Yeah. Like, dude, he's gonna be like a top three or four running back. If they give him the role they've given to Zach Moss, that would just be amazing for JT for the folks that have managed to remain patient and just uh sit there, you know, and you kind of just have to hope for the best with JT. But there's a there is a good role available on the team he already resides on if they can work this thing out. I have no clue if they can. I just love how we're sitting here on October 1st. And Dwayne, you know, making a good point, perfectly serious, just said if the Colts can give Jonathan Taylor Zach Moss's role, like, whoa, man, we'll be sitting pretty. Imagine <laughs> telling us that a month ago, man, be freaking yeah. pouring tears out of here. Moving right along, Buccaneers took down the New Orleans Saints 26-9. to Tampa obviously covers as four-point dogs. Under cash is at 41. And Tampa now gets to go into their week five bye week, sitting pretty at 3-1. and one. Baker Mayfield, Buccaneers country, let's bake, baby. On pace to throw 30 touchdowns with his only real letdown, Dwayne, against the Eagles, who oddly have really struggled against every other quarterback they've faced. I get it. We are not here to crown Baker. But, man, Dwayne. That's just some pretty good numbers. Now, three of the four weeks, got to give the man some credit, at least proving that he is not, I don't know, like the worst quarterback in the NFL, like some people were floating around there. He's a hell of a lot better than Desmond Ritter, Dwayne. He's got that going for him. <laughs> for sure. And you owe me a thank you. I went and picked this guy up on our Deshaun Watson thank team you, that didn't thank have you. a backup last night because you had to do it on the NFFC by like 9 p.m. Eastern. Oh or like 10 Eastern. Yeah. It has like nine, my time central time. And I saw man, I was like, man, you know, I don't know. I, I I'm hearing Watson's going to play. We had like two teams that just didn't have a backup. I was like, I gotta go grab somebody. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take Baker on this one. And then I saw you put him into the lineup. He threw three touchdowns for us. The other one I think was Stafford. So it was, yeah. we, we lived through our Deshaun Watson out of the lineup day, but yeah, man, like, look, you just got to give it to Baker. He's still doing his thing. And, uh, you know, even with Mike Evans out of the game, like Mike yeah. Evans left this game, uh, was it a hamstring injury? I believe hamstring um, and, was, and, you know, ruled out not to return. So not good. Yeah, not good. I think that was before halftime. Yeah, um, it was right. a big day for, uh, Chris Godwin. Subsequently, it was his biggest day of the season from a standpoint, you know, of how involved he was in the offense. He scored 19.4 fantasy points a 37% target share. So any games moving forward that we do not have Mike Evans, you're going to have a borderline wide receiver one on your hands with Chris Godwin. I think everything is just going to funnel through him. Hasn't had a huge sample size without Evans over the years. I was I was kind of surprised it was only these, you know, now four games, including this. But in those other games, five catches, 68 yards, five catches, 121 yards, six catches, 55 yards. So different offenses probably had, you know, some Antonio Browns running around in those games as well. But at a minimum, man, again, just good to see Goblin now have a big game with Baker. And for those of you guys that have been reading my shoes reports every week, you would know that Goblin has come awfully close to getting a couple touchdowns on the board already. So wouldn't be surprised. If he snaps that score the streak here sooner rather than later, uh, Rashad White Wayne continuing to dominate touches and targets. And at the end of the day, he is what he is. He's a workhorse RB2 and an offense that isn't going to seed a ton of just, you know, 25 plus touch workload usage to him. But hey, perfectly solid usage based RB2. He's more or less Miles Sanders in this offense. Yeah. And our projection model, he's the one I have to go push down because the projection <laughs> model is so heavily weighted towards usage. Um, and efficiency stuff we do a lot of regression and things like that so it kind of levels people out so it'll put him really close to other guys We're like no we can't 
look, we love you, Rashad White, but like we can't have you next to like these other names that you're next to right now in projection. So like I have to go in and kind of tweak him every week. But yeah, I mean, the usage is there. I mean, he was out there for 70% of the snaps today, 80% route participation at 10% of the targets. Like from a rushing standpoint, he's actually been getting even larger uh, portions of the workload over the last several games he had. Well, today it was 50%. Last week it was up to 70%. Keyshawn Vaughn got out there a little bit. Uh, this week it was not Sean Tucker, huh. so that was interesting. I didn't see anything about Sean Tucker being a scratch. I might have missed something there the, earlier this day. There was a lot of news this morning, uh, but thirty percent of the team rushing attempts went to Keyshawn Vaughn. Now this this they were uh, what was how close was this at the end? Like the Saints tried to make well, it a uh, game one time again at the end. Yeah, okay. They yeah, they, so they, they just, pulled away in the fourth quarter. And by the way, uh, no, we did not have a uh, Tucker as a healthy scratch. He was out there. So in the first three quarters, it was Rashad White. Or first half, it was 60% rushing attempts to Rashad White. So he still did have a little bit more in that first half. But yeah, he look, he's out there plenty, not doing a lot with it. But uh, hey, at least the offense looks functional. I feel like he could run into some, some good games here just because Baker's playing better than we thought. On the Saints side of the ball, actually real quick, Mike Evans, by the way, was going at it with Marshawn Lattimore, and there was a play, man, where he got a defensive pass interference call, but Lattimore was falling, man, and Lattimore decided to tackle Mike Evans because of that, and if he had just not quite gotten Evans to the ground, could have been looking at a nice little 30-yard score for Evans, but alas, only got the DPI. Also, Rashad White was just short of scoring a touchdown, so almost a bigger day for him if he didn't get stopped at the one-yard line. On the Saints side of things, Derek Carr, I thought was going to miss like weeks, but nope, he missed zero time at all, came in here and went out there and just battled and averaged 3.4 yards per attempt, Dwayne. It was miserable out there for this offense. Alvin Kamara has one of the more ridiculous lines you will ever see, 14 <laughs> targets, 13 catches, 33 receiving yards and zero touchdowns. So he showed off more juice on the ground, 11 carries for 51 yards. So, you know, I'm not going to say that he was, you know, completely washed and that's why he couldn't pick up more receiving yardage. But yeah, hope you played him in a PPR, Dwayne, because the difference between scoring there is the difference between you being thrilled and uh, pretty pissed. Yeah, I mean, the big, let's just cover Kamara real quick. 61% of the team's rushing attempts. You have to be really encouraged with that. Like Kendra Miller got 6%. 22% <laughs> went to Taysom. You know, Taysom's going to do his thing. 75% of the snaps. 70% route participation for Alvin Kamara. He is the clear-cut number one running back on the team. Yes, Jamal Williams is on IR right now. Jamal Williams wasn't looking so good for the first part of the season either. Obviously, when you get a more healthy Derek Carr, or if you, I, I don't see how you can play Derek Carr again if he's like this. I know Jameis came out and he got one pass attempt and it was a pick, but... <laughs> It's just so Jameis, man. Um, but like you get you got to give your team a chance. Like they couldn't even they couldn't get any of the receivers involved here. Um, you know, looking at what they did, like Chris Alave, like he had a 16% target share. He had six targets today. You know, he had one reception for four yards. Like you can't run your offense with Derek Carr feeling the way he's feeling. Yeah. You know, Carr's been fine. So this is not about him. This is the injured version of Carr. Set through um, a burrow. So, yeah. Yeah, I would yeah, exactly. I would much rather see Jameis Winston out there. I, I know that they're probably worried about turning the ball over, but man, like if, if you can only average three or four yards per pass attempt, like, like I, I could just live with a couple of turnovers over that, to be honest. So let's see what they do. 
Um, hopefully Derek Carr can progress, but like if they're willing to play him this past week, man, are they going to do this again? If they do, we're going to have to downgrade Chris Olave. We're going to have to downgrade Mike Thomas, all these guys. Olave did come very close to having a 50 yard touchdown, had a step ball was maybe a hair under thrown more than anything. It was just a brilliant play by Buccaneer safety Antoine Winfield to go ahead and break that one up. Final note here. Very cool stat from friend of the podcast, JJ Zacharyson at late round QB. Of course, Kamara's 13 catches, not only the lowest yardage total in NFL history among players with 13 or more catches, but the lowest yardage total in NFL history among players with 10 or more receptions period. So truly a wild, record-breaking day for Kamara. Again, hope you had him in full PPR. Also, Dwayne, last note here usage-wise, Dwan Johnson did get ruled out or hurt with a calf injury, and this was also a game where Foster Moreau was out. Did we actually get like a full-time role for Taysom Hill instead, or is this just still, you know, he's not good enough to start at anything, and he just breaks our brain of fantasy because we all hate each other or something? <laughs> uh, we actually had Taysom Hill out there with a 39% route participation, but it was really uh, Jimmy Graham and his no-trade clause, Ian, at 58%. <laughs> he's back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that led the way. But yeah, both guys were more involved because you mentioned it. Moreau was out for the game and then losing Juwan Johnson. So, but, but nothing for us to really get too excited about here. Eagles took down the commanders closer than we were expecting. 34 to 31. Washington did cover as eight and a half dogs in this overtime affair over cash easily at 43 huge AJ Brown game. He's, you know, had a big one last week, but the touchdowns were just not quite there. Had two go through his hands last Thursday night, you know, had a, almost DPI the week before, have one nullified. No problems today. Nine catches for a buck 75 and two big ones out there. Really starting to see him distance himself as the guy in, uh, you know, this Philadelphia passing game, Dwayne. He's on pace now for 183 targets over the course of a 17-game season. Last year, he finished with 145. A.J. Brown never had more than 106 targets with the Titans. So he was missing some time to injuries in those games. But, you know, add on three more at the six or seven targets per game he was seeing, and you're still not getting close to the 180-plus. So, yeah, A.J. Yeah. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts. It's the blow-up game we hope we were going to be getting, Dwayne. And I know it's not exactly – I didn't hear anyone out there doubting that this was going to happen, but good to see every now and then. Yeah, but early in the season there were some concerns. Remember, it was, even AJ was having to have a talk with Jalen Hurts. So it's just another good example of like, oh, God, man, like is uh, Devonta going to get all the targets this year? No, like now for the season, AJ Brown sitting at a 36% target share, Devonta Smith sitting at a 24%, Dallas Goddard sitting at 16%. Like I think AJ probably ends up around 28, 29% for the season. So he's going to come down some from here, but like these guys are going to all be involved. You're just going to have some games where not everybody gets to have a piece of the pie. And that's just the way it works with this type of offense. So you kind of got to live with it. And the Eagles are also so efficient on the ground. You can have these games where, you know, they don't need to throw for 300 yards. So it's just really talented players. It's not always going to work out because of the way the offense works. But look, they're guys you want. Yeah. You're They're on a really good offense. They're going to score a lot of points. They just may not need to throw the ball all the time. Looking at the backfield, Dwayne, one that we've had a lot of conversations out recently, but DeAndre Swift keeps on really making, you know, his case for that lead role and seem to get it more so than ever today. 14 carries, four targets, managed to convert those carries into 56 yards and a short touchdown, chipped in 23 yards through the air. Now behind only the true legend, Devin Achan, obviously, DeAndre Swift is second in yards per carry at 6.2 among 43 qualified running backs, also top 10 in 
and missed tackles forced per attempt. So I remember talking about him in Detroit, Dwayne, and, you know, we just had the gaudy receiving numbers. Haven't seen Swift run this well. And, you know, Lions have a pretty off, awesome offensive line. Not as good as the Eagles and Jalen Hurts impacts that as well. But I really feel like Swift is, you know, simultaneously in one of the best roles of his career and also playing some of the best football of his career. Enough to really distance him and kind of game on the ranks at this point. Yes. Yeah. Last year, last week, we leaned a little towards Gamewell, but we couldn't be for sure because it was first quarter, DeAndre Swift. Second quarter, Kenneth Gainwell. Third quarter, it was DeAndre Swift. Fourth quarter, when it was, yes, a blowout lead, it was Gainwell. But we didn't know, like, were they just switching quarters or was that because it was a blowout lead? So, yeah, we said, look, it's a lean. 1A is definitely Swift. But Gainwell could still be an be involved more than what people want. This week, we really did see the dynamic changed. 64% snaps to DeAndre Swift, 37% to Kenneth Gainwell. You had 45% route participation for DeAndre Swift. That is where Kenneth Gainwell remained involved, 43%. I can't see the two-minute offense right now because our data hasn't refreshed for that. We'll have it in the morning. My guess is Kenneth Gainwell got that role. He's had it so far this season. He had it last season. So that's going to keep him involved, especially in this kind of game yeah. where Washington made this a really good game and they played into overtime. So I think Kenneth Gainwell is clearly behind Swift now. I do think Swift is in RB1 territory moving forward, Ian. Um, he had 52% of the rushing attempts today. To your point, like you're going to still have some Jalen Hurts stealing the rushing touchdowns, but he did get one today. He's also still capable of breaking the long play. So I think he's that borderline RB1 right now. But, man, he has such potential. Like, there's a chance he's a top six running back the rest of the way. He does look really, really good, to your point. It's one of those things, too, where, you know, we didn't again, we didn't see it today to get the touchdown with, you know, the tush-push controversial, you know, short yardage game. I've seen now, Dwayne, really throughout this whole year, more and more teams trying to do it. And yeah, none they of can't do coming, it. They're, yeah, they're not even coming close, man. Jason Kelsey, Jalen Hurts, like that combo is special. They are using their physical tools to overpower the men in front of them. The only problem they made today Did was... Did you their, see Mac Jones's attempt today? Yeah, it was brutal, man. Like, and I've even seen uh, Justin Fields and Anthony Richardson, some of these guys try and just not quite get it the same way, man. So, hey, just shut up and accept it or stop it at this point. Yep. Got to stop it, man. So, again... Great stuff from the Eagles, per usual. Wasn't the most easy performance, but a win is a win is a win, especially in that, you know, ever-competitive NFC East. And by that, you know, Washington playing more good football than not this year. Had the big dud against Buffalo last week, but third time in four games, Dwayne, where I think we have seen more good than bad from Sam Howell, especially down the stretch, man. Ice cold blood in the veins to find Jahan Dotson on that, you know, 10-yard touchdown with one play left in regulation to send the game into OT. Never has there been a just worse eight aging nickname in the riverboat Ron, you know, moniker with Ron Rivera. He was aggressive for like four weeks in like 2014 and it still carries around. The guy couldn't see that, you know, Washington's best chance to win that game was going for two. Hate to see him not have that chance. Just my opinion on the matter. But again, not trying to take away anything from how well uh, Sam Howell played five sacks. He's still going to have that to him, but 
Dwayne, they give me, you know, a bit more life, a bit more confidence in guys like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson finally finding the end zone moving forward. Uh, before I do send it over to you with the wide receiver usage, I will note Terry's day is as big as it was because he did not catch a touchdown, but he recovered a touchdown when Brian Robinson got the ball to the one-yard line and then fumbled it across the plane, only for Scary Terry to go out there and just beat like a couple linemen to the ball because Kings stay Kings, of course. Brian Robinson also got stuffed in the one-yard line on another drive so pretty much the same usage for those commanders backs gibson fumbled again dude he did not lose Came it right he... back to him he got lucky so that's horrible so yeah i'm not expecting anything to be changed he missed the, the blitz pickup too oh my God. he got Hal blown up on a play great yeah. just just awesome man this was uh i don't even think rodriguez was out here he'll probably take his job next time he's freaking available so again robinson only one touchdown could have been more in the fact he was able to give you guys you know what 12 or so ppr points in this one against that you know big time physical front seven in philly nice you know relatively low game for robinson this week but again Dwayne, about those receivers mclaurin getting them in the top 24 at this point uh no i still think wide receiver three with upside i think he's just it's tough because they are spreading it around and they do have other good targets. Yeah. Um, so 26% target share today for McLaurin. So he had eight catches for 86 yards. Then you had Jahan Dotson with a 23% target share. He was not able to do as much with his. Uh, he had nine targets, four receptions. He did get that touchdown that you talked about. It was a great um, job from Sam Howell with everything on the line. Eight targets for Curtis Samuel. Who's just not dead, Ian? Seventy-one percent route participation today for Curtis and, Samuel, and a rushing touchdown, Dwayne. He can do it yes, all. Yes, he did have a rushing attempt as well. So a guy that's just still doing his thing. And I think that's just enough, right? That it just gets spread out. And and Logan Thomas is still kind of doing his thing a little bit as well. He didn't have a ton of targets today, but we've seen him get involved, you know, at times where he'll have like a twenty percent target share. So I think it's just enough to be spread around. And we still, as much as like I really do think Sam Howell's like obviously out kicking expectations for where he was drafted in the NFL draft. Like there's still some concerns about yeah. the quarterback situation and the fact that this team will go into a run heavy mode if they need to, if the game script works out correctly for them, this is one of those games where they had to drop back and throw the ball probably even more than they wanted to, to their credit, they did a really good job against a good defense. So I, I still think it's wide receiver three territory for Terry McLaurin. Really, Jahan Dotson's right there with him. He just hasn't had the game yet, so he's kind of sitting in that wide receiver four range, but the utilization is really similar. One other note on Sam Howell, we haven't seen him using his legs as, as much as we thought he might when we T were drafting today, him. Because today, six scrambles. Six scrambles for 40 yards for Howell. Not using at all in the design run game. He has zero design rushing attempts on the season, but if he can do more in the scramble game. This is something that could add a, a more of a floor element. And when we were drafting him and we were encouraging people to draft him, you know, heading into, you know, week, you know, just before week one, we really kind of got on the Sam Howell train, like probably two weeks before the season started, but a lot of it tied back to, Hey, look, this guy could be Daniel Jones. Like he could be a, a, a lesser version of Daniel Jones in the running in the running game, but he could give you four or 500 yards rushing. And he actually could end up being a better passer than Daniel Jones. So, Nice to see him get involved a little bit in the run game and get those 40 yards on six scrambles today.
especially if we can get those scrambles instead of sacks, bro. Because again, that is the glaring problem here. And I know Washington fans, there have been some occasions over the year where, you know, he is scrambling and he kind of, you know, bails a clean pocket. I'm not blaming the entire offensive line here. And I'm not blaming how, but at the end of the day, it's both their problems. And he has 24 sacks taken this year. Nobody else has more than 16. So let's go ahead and close that golf a little bit. Keep this offense on, and on track more times. Uh, and one thing on Dotson, like he's, he had a, solid game today and he missed time he like, got banged he up out. on the ankle yeah yes i will tell you the one cool thing about like being out and listening to these games as we were like doing our thing uh, and like getting around town today is i listened to that sunday drive and so they basically it's like the red zone but they go live to the local announcers whoever has the ball so people are going bananas all the time <laughs> <laughs> like these people are the the washington commanders announcers were cracking me up they were losing their minds on this game with the eagle i had it tuned in it was it was on that game when they threw the touchdown pass to dotson and there was like a complete meltdown everybody just lost all consciousness there was just screaming I was like, this is actually awesome. Like just hearing people, they're just fans of their team, like going bananas in the stands. So I did enjoy that. So uh, if I am ever on the road, I will definitely <laughs> listen to that channel again. It was pretty cool. Dwayne trying to sell everyone on the radio here in the year 2023. Hey, 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 it was working. It was like a zone in the truck, man. I, I was fiending. <laughs> I was anxious. I was like, I had a lot of nervous energy going. And it was like just helping me survive till I got back here. Vikings took down the Panthers 21 to 13, covering us four and a half point favorites. The under cash, though, at 46 and a half. Hey, Kirk Cousins wasn't going to finish as the overall fantasy QB one. I think we all knew that was coming. And, you know, we did get this regression down here. Two interceptions, one of which was a brutal pick six on the goal oh, line. God, yeah. That ideally wouldn't have happened because Justin Jefferson had a dope two yard touchdown. Literally two plays before that get nullified on a holding penalty. So, yeah, Justin jefferson six catches 86 yards two tutties could have been an even bigger day there so his pace for the season now Dwayne, 140 catches 2307 yards and 13 touchdowns I, you know it's kind of like the Devin a chant thing i'd like to think he's not going to hit those numbers no fall it's not that i'd like to think you won't hit him i don't think he'll hit him but you know when you got a freaking best wide receiver talent in the nfl if he's not the best he's top three yeah who knows, man? Either way, the overall wide receiver one, keeping it on the whole way. The big question here, Dwayne, because TJ Hawkinson not doing his thing. Jordan Addison only had one target. But when Kirk Cousins only throws the football 19 times, you're at risk of that happening. We'll note Addison did draw a long DPI on a pretty bad underthrow that could have realistically been a 40-yard score. But again, the big change here in Minnesota is this backfield. Both guys honestly look pretty good, Dwayne. Just raw yards per carry, which have been pretty hard to come by for this Vikings team this year. Madison at 5.6 and Cam Akers all the way up there at eight yards per carry, albeit only on five rushes. So what do you see from the usage? Because we were told, told coming in it was going to be more of a hot hand situation. Although when you look at that discrepancy in rush attempts, sure seems like it was still the Alexander Madison show. Uh, give me one second. Like I just like my true media just went down. So while I'm trying to yeah, get you it good. up here, yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead and talk about the Panthers offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get yeah, back go. to that Vikings backfield. Cause yeah, I don't have anything to say other than, uh, they are absolutely miserable right now with Bryce young under center. And look, I think it's very possible that Bryce young is terrible this year and becomes a very good NFL quarterback in the future. We've seen Trevor Lawrence do it. We saw Jared Goff do it. You know, we have not seen Kenny Pickett do it so far to be fair, not to, you know, just completely throw 
too many strays at Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter out here. But just with Bryce Young, guys, I mean, they have scored two touchdowns on offense in three games now with Bryce Young at quarterback. And just, again, the fact that they had to get only that pick six and they couldn't get more than a pair of field goals the rest of the game, it's absolutely brutal. And, like, just watching this, like, play chart, uh, Dwayne, I'm not sure if they were terrified of the offensive line or Bryce's health behind them. His average target depth was 3.7 yards. And like you look at the next gen, kind of where he throw, like the throwing grid, he must have thrown freaking eight screens just in the exact same spot to his right. 31% screen rate on the week, man. Easily the highest by a good 10%. He did get his average time to throw down a full second, but clearly at the expense of just even dreaming of this offense looking downfield. It was honestly like disgraceful, man. There is Adam Thielen at this point who's going to catch a ton of those screens and be a godsend in full PPR scoring. Also know he did return from that leg injury, so good news there. But otherwise, Dwayne, I mean, it's stealing, and that's almost it at this point because Miles Sanders, seeing him go working as the RB2, honestly, 43% snap rate to Chuba Hubbard's 54%, had one one less carry, only one additional well, Sanders was hurt coming yeah, into the game. Yeah. He had that growing injury, so yeah. <laughs> the way you say growing just – <laughs> yeah, no, I just you were just trying to bait me into saying it, so it's okay. I got you. All right, okay, Montgomery, <laughs> Mont, Mont, yeah, that's true. All right, touche, <laughs> Miles Sanders, though, man, 13 carries for 19 yards, and like that's the problem here. He's gotten and look, Panthers totaled three rushing yards before contact, so it was tough sledding for Sanders for Chuba. I'm not trying to make this the hate Miles Sanders show, but. When you look at his weeks one through three usage in particular, like he has a ton of targets. I, I get it. Like that's mm -hmm. good. But when you're so bad with all this opportunity and they're willing to move Chuba up and down a little bit weekly, man, Miles for me, again, it's almost like that Rashad White mode, but I probably prefer Rashad White the rest of the season over Miles Sanders. Dwayne, how do you feel about Sanders moving forward? Yeah, I agree. And like Miles Sanders, man, like he actually had a couple of opportunities early in this game and he just wasn't seeing the field very well. I was actually still just watching football <laughs> when this was happening. Um, but yeah, I think right now part of it is the injury. But, you know, Chuba Hubbard is a guy that, you know, he might get a little bit more work. I, I think Sanders is going to get most of it when he's healthy. But to your point, like I'm not super excited about it. I think honestly, like him and Rashad Wider pretty close but i like the buccaneers offense better at this point so yes wow. i would take rashad white over the yeah don't you i mean yes, I, I, think I agree tampa tampa is like easily the better offense than the panthers right now so the panthers this thing with bryce young also it's not just this week you've kind of mentioned it over you know some of our other uh breakdowns in the past last week we had andy dalton come out they were a much more vertical attack and, and dalton like at this point in his career it's not like he's this big field stretching cannon arm, but he's playing with anticipation. So I don't know what's going on with Bryce Young, but these are not things that limited him in college. This was a guy that could buy extra time in the pocket. He could create outside of structure. He was really great at getting the ball down the field. His deep ball and intermediate ball accuracy was great. He played well under pressure. None of those things are happening right now. So it does happen for rookies, though. We see them coming into the league, and they can go through this. It took Tua a while. When Tua first came in, like, he really struggled early in his career. And there's not a ton of weapons right now. I mean, Jonathan Mingo wasn't available in this game. Now, we can say that, and you'd be like, well, DJ Chark worked for Andy Dalton last week. And that, that's true. That's very fair. Uh, DJ Chark did catch a touchdown last week. He wasn't as, as involved this week. So we'll have to see. But the, the low dot thing has, like, really been something that's hampered you know, young this whole season. So I don't know if it's by design or if it's just like he's those. And you said the screens were a big part of it today. So obviously that was design. 
or if it's just like he's checked down Charlie, like because like God, I hope that's not what he is because we've seen guys that do that, and a lot of times they don't ever break out of that. Now Kenny Pickett did that last year, and this year he's taken many more shots down the field. So so players can change. Still very early on Bryce Young, but not encouraging to this point. I will jump back over real quick to the Vikings. Uh, thank you, True Media. We love you uh, for all this data that we can get like on the fly. Love you, True um, Media. Yeah, looking at the running back situation, 74% of the rushing attempts went to, just make sure I don't have any of these filters on. No, I don't. Yeah, 74% still went to Alexander Madison. 22% to Cam Akers in this game. So really, Cam Akers took over the the uh, Ty Chandler role. We did not see Ty Chandler with a carry in this game. Uh, and Alexander Madison, like, played with a little more fire, like 17.6% of his carries went for 10 plus yards. Yep. <laughs> so, so he was more explosive today. Uh, he had the 90, the 95 rushing yards, and then you had 40 yards for uh, Cam on his five carries. So he did also look good as well, but still very much was Alexander Madison's backfield for now. Uh, snap 66% to Madison and 32% to Akers. That was a bigger role than what we've seen Ty Chandler able to to carve out. So I do want to mention that um, from a snap standpoint. So Akers probably going to take, going to cost Alexander Madison a little bit of work here sometime in the not too distant future, but it does look like for now, Madison has the lead, even though I would say it's definitely a little more fragile if Akers can push him from a, from an efficiency standpoint. So either Madison's going to do what he did today and step up his game and just play better and hold him off. Because if he doesn't like Akers is going to be more of a threat. Up next is what I would call Titans killing the Bengals like that was surprising, but you know, we knew how banged up Burrow was. Buccaneers had a real nice win, but even with that, I would call this the most surprising outcome, in my opinion. Texans taking down the Steelers 30 to 6 out here. Three-point home dogs got the job done in style under cash at 41 and a half. CJ Stroud, Dwayne on pace to throw for 5,151 yards. The NFL rookie record is held by Andrew Luck back in 2012 with just 4,374 yards. It's not coming just from volume either, man, because that's what we looked at the first two weeks of the year. They were bad losses for the Texans, where Stroud kept effectively throwing light into the game. And we said, great, you know, we'll take these garbage time points. Sounds good to me. Nico, Tank Dell, step on up. This is back to back games where, honestly, like with this sort of game script, it wouldn't have been surprising to see Stroud have one of those 19 pass attempt games and it becomes a Damian Pierce show. Not so much, man, because, hey, only 30 pass attempts today. It wasn't this huge performance, but when you're averaging eight yards per attempt on the year, which only trails to a tackle by Loa and Brock Purdy, man, you're doing something right. And Stroud is doing all sorts of things right out there right now. Still hasn't thrown an interception this year. I'm knocking on wood, but right now only Gardner Minshew has ever done that in the first four starts of their career with a minimum 30 attempts in each start. So just again, great performance by CJ Stroud, one dime after another, particularly to Nico Collins. No, he did not throw a touchdown to Dalton Schultz. That was Devin Singletary, but I will even say, man, Dalton Schultz, 29 yard, you know, seam route had a little wiggle to it. It was one of the better plays I've seen Dalton Schultz make, Dwayne. So we got Dalton Schultz doing good things in this offense, catching tutties from Devin Singletary. What a time to be alive. I mean, you just said before, like, you take Tampa over the Carolina offense, no questions asked. We'd certainly take Houston over both of those groups, I think. Are we ready yep. just to treat these guys as the above-average offense they've been all season moving forward? Yeah, man. I, I And C.J. Stroud as a passer has been better than above-average. Yeah. I mean, he's here are his fantasy points. So in week one, he had 9.7. 
but then he had 21.5, 21.8, and today 20.6. He's playing like a top 12 quarterback. I mean, he's got two touching, two passing touchdowns in each of the last three games. He's got zero picks, Ian. All year. I mean, pa- passing yards on the season, 242, 384, 306, and two. Sorry, uh, today was 306. The week before was 280. I'm slightly out of order here. Um, on the way I'm giving you guys this information, but it's all still correct. Like this guy is like playing well, like CJ Stroud is playing really well. So I think we got to look at him. Like he's that probably high end QB two with weekly QB one upside. And if he keeps doing this, we're just going to have to move him into the QB one conversation. Yeah. We've reached that point, man. Got to freaking love it again. Can't say enough good things about how falling. Yeah, just again, dimes. That long touchdown, Nico Collins, was something particularly uh, spicy. I will say, though, the first touchdown, Nico Collins, got there thanks to some hijinks going on. We first originally had Stroud get down just short of the goal line, and then we had a Damian Pierce six-yard touchdown nullified. Sorry, Damian Pierce managers. But then Stroud ended up throwing that touchdown to Nico to end the drive. So that is the only unfortunate part here, Dwayne, just for people that did draft a lot of Damian Pierce. Not quite getting it going, albeit 20. 24 carries and two targets, you know, really the first game we've seen him separate that much from a touch standpoint, albeit still plenty of Devin Singletary and even a little bit of Mike Boone stone ball. Yeah. But you know what? I think Damian Pierce is a sneaky by low at this point Ooh. because this offense is better than we think their offensive line is still not healthy. It's going to get healthy. We're probably getting Laramie Tunsil back next week. He was getting close this week. So I, I, I think Damian Pierce could be a buy low candidate. Like he got dropped in Camden in my son's league Ooh. last week. And he's like, do I pick him up? I was like, yeah, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Like, pick him up. what are you still talking to me for? <laughs> Get off the phone. Yes. Um, so 63% of the rushing attempts today, he's been right around 60% every game. So he's getting enough work there. He's not getting all the passing down work that we want, but he's still right there, even with Devin Singletary. So look, I, I just look at it as, He's probably not going to get the passing down work that we thought might be in his range of outcomes when the season started. But I think that's fine. If this offense can play this well and the offensive line gets healthy, I don't think suddenly Damian Pierce isn't a good running back. That's probably not the case. He had a couple of really nice runs today. Overall, it was not an efficient day, 3.4 yards per carry. But I did get to see quite a few of his carries early in the game. And I was like, you know, like this guy still has juice. And I've even seen it in the other games. I haven't watched every carry from Pierce this year, um, but I've watched quite a few of them. And like, I, I still think he looks okay. Like when I watch him. So I think this is a guy that as this offense continues to play well, they get healthier. He can score more fantasy points. He gave you 11.8 today. He didn't kill you last week. I think he gave you right around 15. He's not giving us the 20, 25 that we thought might happen early in the year. But I do think this is a guy, Ian, that could give you 15 to 20 fantasy points per game down the stretch, just given the way the offense is playing. You mentioned the juice, man, really showed off. And I'm sure this is one of the highlights you did see on that 27-yard screen and scampered down the middle of the field. Really did look a lot like that player we yeah, saw Yeah, another screen year. call back. There was a touchdown. Yeah. Yep. Holding Six yards for out. a legal man downfield. Yeah. 
Hate to see it. Hate to see it, Dwayne. All right. On well, I guess real quick, this last thing here again. Nico yeah. Collins, massive oh, day. Seven catches, bucks, sixty-eight, and two tutties. And honestly, the way things were trending with the target shares and even the first retargets, I was of the opinion that Tank Dell, this could be his game. I thought that TJ Watt and company would make life a hell of a lot harder for this offense. Like, I don't know, maybe even sack CJ Stroud once. Nope, apparently not. That's just what this backup Houston Texans offensive line is going to be doing for him. But yeah, man. Nico, massive day, just one catch for Tank Dell. I'm not saying that Tank Dell is all of a sudden unusable or anything. It was one down game. But do you think like the time of wondering could Dell be a number one here is over? Because man, what a game from Nico. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they're just both really good, and we don't know which one's gonna be the better one each week. Right. Like, so I think they're both right there, borderline in the wide receiver two conversation. Um, you know, this past week I ranked Nathaniel Dell or Tank Dell over Nico by a little bit. Nico was definitely my guy, like all off season. So I, I really like Nico. Like he took a step forward last year. He's continuing to do it this year. Uh, 33% of the targets today, 37.5 targets per route run. Um, the guy accounted for 42% of the air yard. So I, any given game, like Nico can just go off. And this again, all comes back to CJ Stroud. Yeah. If you'd have told me CJ Stroud was going to be a 300 yard per game passer <laughs> this season, how much even higher would we have been on Nico Collins True. and even taking guys like Tank Dell at the end? We just didn't know if he you, could come in. You probably in could have this. talked me into taking Dalton Schultz at that point, Twin. <laughs> I probably could have. Honestly, Dalton Schultz probably going to end up being an okay tight end at some point this year. It hasn't happened yet, but with how well the Texans' offense, this all comes back to Stroud. Everything we're talking about, Damon Pierce, Philo. Dalton Schultz eventually potentially doing something here. It's going to be tougher for Schultz just because we didn't envision like Nico and Tank Dell surging onto the scene. Yeah. And Robert Woods has not been dust. He had a 22% target share today. So that that's really what's squeezing Dalton Schultz is you just got these three receivers playing really well. So I think Nathaniel Dell, Nico Collins are both borderline wide receiver twos. I think it's going to be hard to say which is going to go off each week. But with Stroud playing as good as he has, I think there will be games where they there's room for both of them to play really well. And then Robert Woods is really a nice floor play. Like I, I mean, again, not floor play, people. Floor play. <laughs> so only six fantasy points today, but like the usage is definitely there for Woods. And he he was just missed on a touchdown. I did see a, a kind of a fade throw to the pylon um, from Stroud, and, yeah. and Woods wasn't quite able to wrangle that one in. That was really close to being a touchdown. I had that one written down. I was like, not a gimme, not like, you know, this horrible throw, not yeah. a, you know, drop or anything like that. It wasn't a sheesh, but, but but a nice play that could have been a touchdown. It was one like where I'm writing out if it's a sheesh or not. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so at the end yeah. of the day. We'll just let that go in the unrealized air yards category right there. With the Steelers, a couple unfortunate injuries. Pat Fryer suffered a hamstring issue and was ruled out. So we could see Darnell Washington and maybe even Connor Hayward getting more run out there. We'll note that we did have Hayward wide open, man. And I don't like to, you know, try to do this, Dwayne, where you see the wide open guy like in the replay because we don't necessarily know like the progression the quarterback was going through. But they literally had a two-man route combination on the same side of the field and pick it through to the guy that had three defenders around him, not the guy that was breaking wide open in the back of the end zone. So just, you know, again, trying to do the best we can here. I'd say that was a pretty big sheesh by Pickett. Also had another potential eight-yard touchdown and George Pickens' hands in the back of the end zone. Couldn't quite maintain the possession through the ground combination of just not having strong enough hands and a good defensive play there so those were the negatives and sadly kenny pickett did 
not finish this game. Got ruled out with a knee injury. The initial report is the hope is that he suffered a minor MCL sprain. We'll know more on Monday. Uh, funny quote after the game, not about that, but just about this performance in general from Mike Tomlin. Asked if there's going to be changes. He says emphatically, hell yeah, there is going to be changes. So I wonder, Dwayne, like, where do you think those changes could come to? Because I know a lot of people are probably just Najee Harris, you know, get him off the field, get Jalen Warren on there. This is one of Najee's best games I've seen him play. Definitely, you know, this year and just pr pretty much whenever, man. He's arguably playing the best football of his career, I think, this season. Ironically, he's like has one of the highest explosive run play rates in the entire NFL. The problem is this offensive line has given them nothing to get going. Still very much a bottom six group in yards before contact per carry on the season. So again, man, Najee averaged over five yards a clip today. He had a nice 32-yard catch and run, and he looked impressive doing it. So I got the more Jalen Warren than any other running back. I'd love to be able to sit here and say, Najee sucks, play Jalen. What the hell was wrong with Matt Canada and his coaching staff? But Dwayne, again, we'll see what happens because the gap is shrinking between Najee and Jalen regardless. But I really don't think the solution in this offense is as simple as subbing one running back in for another. Yeah, I mean, it was even almost today. Uh, 52% of the snaps to Najee, 48% to Jalen Warren. Rushing attempts was still in Najee's bag, 56% versus 32% for Jalen. But then when you have route participation, they were dead even, 44% and 44%. So you know, I don't really know where the changes will come. Maybe you lose, you, I mean, if you had everyone healthy, maybe it would be Calvin Austin like bumping Allen Robinson off the field maybe you're trying to get a little bit more of an explosive playmaker on the field but right now like with Deontay Johnson out like Calvin Austin's already playing plenty you know yeah. he's out there with Allen Robinson so I don't know who Allen Robinson would go to the bench for uh George Pickens like dude he's I, I know he had that drop but like he's playing well and honestly I think he could be a potential monster in the future now that we're seeing him in games without Deontay Johnson and they're broadening out the route tree not just having him run like goes posts corners fades stuff like that he's actually getting to work some of the underneath and intermediate stuff so like his average depth of the target today was a 10 and he had a 26 percent target share this guy is like in a 25 to 30 percent target share range over the three games without deontay johnson so i think pickens is showing us like if you let him be more involved in the scheme and not just running those look guys quarterbacks throw the ball 20 plus yards down the field on average for the nfl 11 to 12 percent on a season. Yep. So if that's the route you're running, you're not, I mean, you're not <laughs> going to get a ton of targets. Like you see it with Marquise Valdez Scantling. We've seen it. There, there's all sorts of receivers, Donovan Peoples Jones, like gets thrown into that bucket. So, and it's something for me to remember as well in my process, Ian, like is maybe figuring out a way to go back and look at the target rate on these guys when they're like just removing go routes and posts and corners or just removing, Hey, when they're, when their average depth of target was, you know, under 12, like, when they're yeah well i can't do that because I, I but we have we have average depth of route run that's what i can do i can say okay when their break point on the on the route was 12 yards or under what was their targets per route run boom we got a new solution <laughs> we'll start looking at that but pickens has played really good man so i don't think there's anything you can do there um and pat fryermuth is now hurt so yeah they're that change is probably going to be you just have to play darnell washington <sighs> but man i don't know the only thing i can think of is more Jalen warren to be honest. And to your point, I don't think that fixes this offense. 
think what fixes the offense is Matt Canada not being out there anymore, Jesus. man. And I That's know the Steelers. Let's fire this guy. Yes. Like, you know, Last of the sun. I saw Warren Sharpie, like, you know, the worst thing, the worst thing you can be as a play caller is a uh, predictable. Like the second worst thing is having bad scheme. Like and Matt Canada's both those things. And it's true, man. Like you look at it, just the numbers, man. He had a year or two of big Ben. He was supposed to, you remember that whole thing? Mason Rudolph's like, Oh no, now we're going to get to see the Matt Canada offense. Like, yeah, man, it's still absolutely horrific. And, you know, Deontay injury hasn't helped and stuff. I know it's not the world's greatest offensive line from a talent standpoint, but at the end of the day, if you pull up the Steelers numbers, just passing the football and even putting points and just yards up on the board, since Canada took over, they're going to be way too close to those Zach Wilson led jets than he would prefer. And that's just, I'm not trying. I know Zach Wilson played probably the best game of his career tonight. So I'm saying over the course of his career, that's where the Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada led Steelers have been. I think we can all agree pretty bad. Moving right along, afternoon games now. Cowboys took down the Patriots 38-3. to Happy day in the McFarland household. Cowboys covered as six-and-a-half-point favorites. Under did cash at 43 points. So this was, and honestly, the Cowboys have done this against the Giants and kind of against the Jets, man. They just, like a boa constrictor. They just get their defense on the other team's offense at a certain point and squeeze the living life out of them to the point that the game's over like 40 minutes into it. So it was a 28-3 to halftime lead but the Cowboys had only scored one offensive touchdown at that point in time they had a scoop and score and they had a just horrible pick six for Mac Jones that he only oh, made yeah. because he got lucky making a throwback pass a couple plays before that uh shout out to the Cowboys for being the first team I have seen Dwayne since the new field goal I'm sorry new extra point rules do a fake extra point from the 15 yard line instead of just going for it at the two and it worked so that was hilarious good on them Tony Pollard didn't score a touchdown, didn't have, you know, this massive day. But again, not a bad idea by the Cowboys just to lighten his workload in a game where they did not need him from the very beginning. So, look, we're not worried about Tony Pollard. We're not worried about CeeDee Lamb happening to go out there and score an early touchdown in a game that, again, couldn't have been less competitive from start to finish. The question remains, though, Dwayne, can we get a third Cowboy that we're feeling extra good about? So far, it is not being Dak Prescott, just not getting any sort of that rushing volume in. When you got that defense guess what you don't need to open up the passing game all that much but jake ferguson all of a sudden putting together a nice seven catch 77 yard game michael gallup having a second good game in as many weeks you feeling feeling getting fergie with it gallup bounce back what are we thinking here uh ferguson has been absolutely impressive and so i'm just get getting rid of the fourth quarter here we're just looking at the first three quarters because the cowboys did start to rest starters later in the game ferguson 74% route participation today. That's what we've been waiting on now. Peyton Hendershot was inactive. Okay. We had Luke Schoonmaker available, and then we also had Sean uh, McKeon, the, their fourth tight end. So he was active today. He didn't do as much. We'll see if this holds, but this is basically what I've been screaming for the Cowboys offense. The way to really get this offense playing better is let Ferguson play more. Like his targets per route run, 27% heading into this week. That was second best in the NFL for all tight ends with at least a 40% route participation for their team. He came nice. through again today, 28% target share in that was tops on the team. I think if they let this guy play 75 to 80% of the snaps uh, route participation, he's going to be a top six tight end. I think it's like, it's absolutely there for the taking. He gave you 14.7 fantasy points uh, today in three quarters of play. CD Lamb at 14.8. I think this could be the CD Lamb, Jake Ferguson show. I do think Michael Gallup's playing pretty good. 
like over the last couple of games. So I think you got to give him the slight edge hat tip to you. I know you talked about this in the preseason. You're like, are we really sure that is not Michael Gallup over Brandon cooks? They're playing the same. Been so hurt, I could easily, to be fair. He has been hurt. This was a healthier game for cook. I could see this thing easily flipping, but I think right now it really is, you know, Gallup is the player that's, that's hot. You know, he's running hot right now. He had a 19% target share today, only a 10% target share for Brandon cooks. I don't know that that one will hold, but Ferguson, man, when Hendershot comes back, they got to keep him in this role. They got to keep him out there 70, 80% of the routes. This guy is out there demanding targets, playing well with them, like looking at his yards per route run, Ian, 3.08 today. Like this guy, I mean, dude, he's a good player. He like broke some tackles he, out there. He, he looks good, man. He looks good. Yeah. And he's had like, he's had a few bad plays too. Like he's had some drops. Um, so I mean, it like hasn't all been perfect for him. He's definitely left fantasy points on the field. That was Skin Maker, uh, I think. Actually, he had the 15 yard score in both hands and then dropped it on the way to the ground because Ferg was seven for seven today. And he was actually, yeah, no, no, he I got mean, down the one yard line, should have had a touchdown today. Yeah, yeah, he's had no, he's had drops over the first uh three games. He didn't have a drop today, but yeah, looking like on the season right now. Like Cowboys, if you're looking at, you know, target shares, 22% to CD Lamb, 19% to Jake Ferguson. Targets per route run, Jake Ferguson leads the freaking team at 29%. If this guy is on your wire, I moved him up last week in the utilization report. I'm like, look, he doesn't have even the 70 point, the 70% threshold that we typically need to even be in this conversation, but I already moved him up to high end tight end two, just because he's getting so many targets, it doesn't even matter. And if he does get a role where he's at 75, 80%, he's going to be a top six tight end. So I still think that makes him a buy low right now. I still, if he's somehow on your wire, he absolutely should not be. I know last week he was available in like 45% of leagues. I did a video on him over on YouTube and made him one of the guys that I talked about that you need to be looking at picking up. So I, I don't know where he's going to be sitting now and um, how available he is. But if he, if you are in a league where he's one of those guys, like I think he's a top 10 guy now. I think he, you just, there's a lot of guys I would cut for Jake Ferguson. Dak, man, just, he, he loves his tight ends that happen to be Caucasian that have a number high in the eighties. They're all just nameless, faceless tight ends that go out there and rack up a lot of fantasy points. And that guy, and to be fair, this is like this thing he's doing right now with this 29% targets per route run is better than anything we've ever seen from Schultz. I think there's a real chance that Ferguson is actually just a better player as well than Schultz, which I know you love to hear. So yes, you're welcome. Hardest. This is a real sign of the time, uh, times doing again. Appreciate everyone in the live chat still hanging out. Good question from Aaron. Would you drop Kyle Pitts for, yes, uh, Mr. I would. Ferguson? I would, oh I would God. drop Kyle Pitts for Ferguson. Wouldn't you? Yeah, but that's still crazy yeah. to say out loud. Like I know it is, but I would do it. Like, like, give me another one chat. Give me another one. Hey, again, guys, we all like the Falcons number two tight end. Kyle Pitts does have a bright future, but just in this year, man, gonna be gonna be tough. All right, on the Patriots side of things, again, this was just miserable. They couldn't run the ball. Mac Jones was making mistakes, didn't have open wide receivers. This Cowboy defense looked far more like the group we saw in weeks one through two, as opposed to that Cardinals game last week. So yeah, we did get confirmation from Bill Belichick, who pulled Mac Jones before the end of the third quarter, that he was not bench report performance and he will be the starter moving forward. So Dwayne, with the passing game, again, not a group that we've exactly zeroed on anyone that we can overly feel good about in the first place. So not going to hold this game overly against them was a juggernaut performance from Micah Parsons and company. The running backs, though, we were getting some rumors, even some reports before the game that Ezekiel Elliott was going to see a starter-worthy workload. Did that come to fruition in his revenge game? 
Uh, no, it did not. Uh, and we were having this conversation behind the scenes with our projections this morning, myself and James McCool and Elliot. And we were like, okay, we've got this report. And I was like, man, we get these reports all the time that this kind of thing's going to happen. I'm not buying it. We did shave some off a of reminder. You can't completely ignore it. Yeah. I just didn't see Zeke taking over. Now it didn't happen. You had 69% of the offensive snaps go to Mondre, nice. 36% to Zeke, um, which is right around where we've been. And that was actually a little bit higher for, for Mondre than what we've seen. Just make sure I don't have any of these filters on. No, I do not. And then route participation right at 60% for Mondre. And then we had 29% for Zeke, where we've been all along, 55% of the rushing attempts to Stevenson and 31% to Elliott. So really the same exact thing that uh, we have really seen pretty much all season. Actually, I feel like I'm like, what is going on here? Actually, I'm messing that up. Hang on one sec. I had him at, I a, knew by it. the way, I had Mondre at a- 64%, see, 64% snaps. Zeke Sorry. at 40%. So they had a couple. Yeah, so they were a tad closer. But yeah, 64%. I had it on the season. My bad. Yeah, I knew I was looking at something wrong, but 53%. Uh, dropbacks, uh, uh, sorry, route participation for Mondre. He'd been around 60%. So Zeke did get a little more there, 44%. 61% of the rushing attempts right around where he's been, 26% for, for Zeke. So a slight edge up for Zeke, but not very much. But man, I will tell you, Ian, like I'm worried at this point. Like this offense looks terrible and Ramondre Stevenson doesn't look like Ramondre Stevenson. And this offensive line does not look good at all. Like, I mean, he was... I know the Dallas defense does this. He was getting blown up before there was ever a chance. The same thing for Zeke. The same thing was happening to him. Um, you know, there was not a carry of 10 plus yards on the game for either one of these running backs. And I can't, I can't blame either one of them yards before contact 0.93 for Mondre today and 0.17 for Zeke. Now look, running backs are partial, are partial owners of yards before contact, right? But offensive Vision line does that. factor. Yeah. Yeah, and just taking away angles, understanding. Yes, there's a lot that goes on to manipulating second-level defenders and things like that. So you can't just totally put that on the offensive line. Um, I don't have a stuff rate in front of me <laughs> right now on this game, but I guarantee you it's freaking <laughs> super high. Like, these guys were just getting blown up immediately. So I don't know how much we can put on them, but, like, this is just a repeating thing now, Ian. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, even on Ramondre, a guy that you and I both really liked as a third- or fourth-round pick, um, this off season, a guy that we thought, you know, he's going to, if anything, like he's at least involved in the passing game, you know, he, he's still out there plenty on the passing game, but he's not getting targeted even as much as we'd hoped today, only a 10% target share. So it's like, Ooh, I, I think I'm going to have to downgrade Mondre. The utilization is still solid, but like at this point, the Patriots offense is so bad and he does not look good either. Target leaders on the season is Kendrick Bourne with 28, Hunter Henry with 23, Juju with 21, three-way tie with 15, Demario Douglas, Demonte Parker, and Ramondre Stevenson. It's these other guys just really lapping him, man. If you would have told me Stevenson would be in a three-way tie for the fourth most targets yeah. on his team, I would be very concerned about that. And, you know, the fact that, to your previous point, he's not making the most out of all of his opportunities, it's tough to really be too critical about it. So, look, again, against this Cowboys defense, number one and have a great by a huge margin throughout this whole year. Nothing it was going right for him or anybody else, so I'm not going to hold it against him too much but at the end of the day man even hearing about that zeke report it's not that egregious based on what we've seen in the early parts of this year just in terms of raw yards yards per carry different situations but if anything man zeke probably in there more in like short yardage like we know you're going to run the ball situations 
Madre's at 2.7 yards per carry and Zeke's at 4.1. So not the same guy we've seen from last year. The offense, while it might be a little bit better than Matt Patricia's version, certainly isn't a world-beating group. Certainly do think a downgrade of sorts is warranted, sadly, for our guy, Ramondre Stevenson. Not can't start territory, but certainly going to be closer to to RB24 than RB12. It's tough to... Because a lot of times when we see things like this, we'll say, you know, they're going to get out of it. They're in a funk. They've been unlucky. This is just running bad. So buy low. I don't I don't feel comfortable recommending buy low on Ramondre. And I think the bigger part of it is like the whole offense looks bad. So it's like even if he starts performing better, like the offense also still has to take a step forward. And I'm just concerned that maybe they can't. Like they, they don't have playmakers, man. Like Juju's not a playmaker. Mike Gesicki is not a playmaker. Hunter Henry is not a playmaker. They have no one to crack a defense open. There's no one to strike fear into the defense. Um, you know, Parker can be solid at times. He can definitely give you like games, but he's not like this consistent playmaker. So I just I worry they don't have the ingredients uh to really create to to like create momentum on their offense. I I worry, like, can they fix this? I'm not sure they can. Not sure they can either, my friend. A few injuries on defense. Just wanted to give an update on Michael Parsons. Did bang up that ankle, but returned. We've seen him the last few weeks just, again, kind of have these nicks and bruises, but don't think he is at any risk of missing time. Stud Patriots edge Matthew, Matthew Judon, however, is expecting to miss some time with a bicep injury. That sucks. Also, Patriots cornerback Christian Gonzalez, who's been playing great as a rookie, suffered a shoulder injury and did not return. So keep an eye out for those. Could make Bill Belichick's evil empire a little bit lead a little bit less lethal on the defensive side of the ball. Chargers took down the Raiders 24 to 17, covering as six and a half point favorites under cash at 49. Congrats to the Chargers for getting to their week five bye with a back-to-back win streak going on. Just 167 passing yards, though, Dwayne for Justin Herbert. Weird situation where we actually only saw the Chargers run. Let's see, 26 plus 37. Yeah, 63 total plays out here. So run first, game plan more than usual. Justin Herbert having 12 carries in his own right and those pair of touchdowns on the ground saved the day for him of course joshua kelly did once again get just shorted at the one yard line herbert ended up getting the sheesh touchdown after seven design rush attempts damn he really was getting used like that (laughs) seven design rushing attempts no wonder i scrambles on top of that so he had 37 scramble yards yeah yeah and he ends up hurt like come on i'm not exactly sure what happened yeah do not do not quote not, me on saying he broke his hand, but he did suffer a left-hand injury and he had a bandage and splint up after I'm the game. Sure. Look, there were other opportunities. Quentin Johnston had a you know contested catch opportunity down the left sideline that would have been good for 30. Couldn't hang on. Joshua Palmer also dropped a 25-yard chunk pass. So not taking anything away from the passing game. And my God, Dwayne, like the 51-yarder he had to Josh Palmer at the end of the game to clinch and ice the victory felt so unnecessary the entire time I was watching it happen. But then, you know, he puts it in a bucket Palmer catches it and the Chargers get to walk away with a W so yeah great job by Herbert playing through the pain what did we see though Dwayne from the route usage in a passing game that will sadly not have Mike Williams moving forward yeah yeah it was uh what we thought it would be Keenan Allen obviously doing his thing 97% route participation Josh Palmer 97% route participation but Quentin Johnston 71% route participation so yeah they still play 11 personnel which is three wide receivers 60 to 70% of the time. So this, we figured Quentin Johnson was going to take this type of, of leap forward. It was Josh Palmer that really was the number one target earner on the team today. 33%. He had eight targets. He caught three of those balls. 
he he led the team with 52% of the air yards on the game. So I think obviously Keenan's the number one. I do think Quentin Johnson and Josh Palmer will honestly probably go back and forth on different weeks. I still want Quentin Johnson over the course of the season. I will say it was a very nice outing for Josh Palmer. Uh, you know, so we don't want to take away any credit from him. We also saw Gerald Everett get a little bit more involved, Ian, because I know that we did have an injury to Donald Parham. I don't Rest know injury, how yep. bad that was. Did not look so, good. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know like how that's going to look going forward. But I was just trying to real quickly. I, do you know when Parham got hurt? I'm just gonna, I'm just. Gonna it was like, early. It was early, and it was one of those. It, I would not be surprised if it comes out he broke his wrist. It just seemed like the way he was holding it, and they had immediately ruled him out. It did not look good. So in the third and fourth quarter, so sounds like Parham got hurt in the first half. Yeah. So I'm just going to look third, fourth quarter, 73% route participation for Gerald Everett. Uh, he had a 13% target share. But if Parham is to miss extended time, that really is big news for Gerald Everett. That would move him back in, especially with Mike Williams out of the picture. That would move him back into that high-end tight end two with tight end one upside conversation. Undertaker, Jeff, let's go, baby. I would never want anyone to get injured. And Parham's been awesome. Uh, I just drafted a shit ton of Gerald Everett this summer, an, an irresponsible amount of Gerald Everett this summer. So that would be uh, pretty cool. So, yeah, keep an eye on that injury with Parham. Get better, broski. All right, Dwayne, uh, running back room. Joshua Kelly, 6.5 fantasy points. Let's go. I know. it's And this was this what made it even worse, man. They actually used wide receiver Darius Davis as like a, you know, kind of change of pace option. And on Darius Davis's first snap as a running back, he goes 51 yards, you know, on his first carry. That's as many that's as many yards that Joshua Kelly had on 24 rush attempts over the previous two weeks. So just brutal, man. And for the second straight week, Kelly got to the one yard line, couldn't quite score, couldn't quite score. It sucks. They have a bye week. Austin Eckler should be back in week yeah. six. And we don't have to worry about this. It's, look, know, this is bad all around. Run. Like they, they, they involve Justin Herbert more in the design run game because they think Josh Kelly sucks. Then they gave carries to a receiver. Even Isaiah Spiller got like, Isaiah Spiller. Like, you know, has been like forgotten. Yeah. And he got on the field and had five carries. You had 17 carries a day for Josh Kelly and he could only give you 65 yards. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Like he's, this is what he's been really over the early part over his whole career. We saw one flash in week one of him actually playing well. And then Austin Eckler told us he was good. Austin, you <laughs> lied to us. That's all I know. We, we still love you, Austin Eckler, because you're freaking Austin Eckler. Yeah, Josh Austin's Kelly's just sitting str there, struggle bus man, sitting there looking at his leagues like waiver bids for Joshua Kelly, just cackling to himself <laughs> as he leads everyone on wrong. Oh my! All right, yeah, I can't wait to get that version of the Chargers back again after that Week Five bye. On the Raiders side of things, no Jimmy Garoppolo still in the concussion protocols. He was moving through it though; it was limited at the end of week, so I would expect Garoppolo to be back for Week Five. But yeah, got the Aiden O'Connell experience, and you know, good reminder to everyone between this and the DTR game that yes, regular season football is quite a bit harder than the preseason made some plays out there i mean kept the game competitive down the stretch had them in a position to tie the game late in the fourth quarter unfortunately through a brutal pick just you know recognized man it was in fact zone also took Dwayne 
Seven sacks, six of them from Khalil Mack out there. Just start pulling the Titans thing and having your tight ends motion around to him, giving up six sacks to the same freaking dude. I don't know how that can happen from a coaching staff, but you know it is Josh McDaniels, who's the type of coach, Dwayne, where Devontae Adams catches a short touchdown pass. We saw the replay. It looked like a touchdown, but no challenge. He ran to the line, and yeah. yes, they end up scoring anyway, but sheesh. I'm in an IDP league. <laughs> Where Khalil Mack scored 72 points today. Oh my God, 72? <laughs> yes. Like he outscored Christian McCaffrey by like 30. <laughs> Thank God. And it's a guy, he has a bunch of guys like this. He he carries all, he doesn't care about tackles. He's just like, he'll he'll play four guys that are all edge rushers. He's like, man, two of them are going to hit every week. Because he'll have like TJ Watt, Khalil Mack. Cole Mack hasn't done anything this season. He happened to have him in there for this game, and he went absolutely ham. Like, our league text thread was blowing up because this guy's like, how am I playing this freaking guy when he has 72 points from Khalil Mack? Yeah, it was insane. IDP where you look up and you're just like, no, that's not facing me. Dude, that's the worst thing ever when, like, you're watching someone just go off and you have, like, those 10 seconds of getting your phone to check your matchup. And you're like, please don't tell me I'm playing freaking McCaffrey this week. Please don't tell me. Sure enough, usually ends up being the case. So I do enjoy living uh, vicariously through your IDP leagues, like with the two or three updates you bless us with per season, Dwayne. So thank you for that. But, yeah, incredible game from Khalil Mack. But at a minimum, man, credit to Aiden O'Connell for doing the two things that we care about in this offense getting josh jacobs going scored his first rushing touchdown of the year also had 81 receiving yards almost had a second touchdown but aiden o'connell ended up taking that qb sneak once they got to the goal line and even Devonte adams man again could have should have would have had a touchdown if we got the challenge call even then though eight catches for 75 yards on a team high 13 targets love to see that with a backup qb he did injure his shoulder and it didn't look good but he did return and when they asked him about it, he says it definitely does not feel good right now but he didn't think he'd be able to go back into the game but he had to quote unquote nut it up so thank you Devonte, for nutting it up for all of your fantasy managers out there so josh jacobs Dwayne, someone we talked about not being really a sell high or not not so high Mike. no goodness. he was a buy low man we said josh jacobs was the buy low because he's 25 years old because yes. he's got the volume and because he's in an offense that no i don't think is going to be breaking records this year but still decent enough group especially when they have jimmy g so that's great on jacobs that great that's great on Devontae adams that's on jacoby myers though Dwayne, because again especially with o'connell under center really saw him take a step back as opposed to that you know kind of one b honestly that he was to Devonte adams he did have a, a large you know gain wiped out by an offensive pass interference but i don't can't really give him the benefit of doubt there because he did shove the guy before it happened probably shouldn't have done that so thoughts on jacoby because again we're feeling great about jacobs and adams here still yeah and i still feel good ab about jacoby myers again like these things happen like Jacoby Myers was a wide receiver to talent profile this past offseason. Now he's playing in an offense that doesn't run three wide receivers very often, which can help boost your target shares even more. And so I think he's fine. I, I still think this guy is right there in that wide receiver two conversation. You're going to have games like this. Like it's just going to happen. You're going to, Devontae Adams at some point this year is going to have a game where he has a 10 to 15% target share. How dare you? I know it just happened. So I, I still like Jacoby Myers. I think he's fine. If for some reason somebody you're in a smaller league and they drop him because they're in panic mode because he scored five points, you should swoop in to get this guy. And again, to your point, like let's just get Jimmy G back. These, these sort of things happen. So I still love Jacoby Myers. 
two more games. Everyone appreciate you hanging with us. 49ers took down the Cardinals 35 to 16 covering as 15 point favorites. The over cash at 44. It's a miracle. They covered as 15 point favorites because Zach Ertz dropped a 15 yard touchdown with about 10 seconds left. And on the very next play, Zach Pascal dropped another 15 yard touchdown. So shout out Joshua Dobbs again, looking proficient this time in a very tough test against the 49ers defense could have, should have, would have had three scores on the board if his teammates helped him out a little bit starting though with the 49ers Dwayne near perfect game from Brock Purdy 20 for 21 283 and one touchdown got a lot more going downfield I mean hey usually yes he was throwing to a pretty wide open brand Nayuk, but these were you know 20 plus air yard throws that you know were not the typical kind of short dink and dunks that we all collectively usually kind of make fun of Brock Purdy about on the old social media engine so he's good stuff from good, Purdy man. yeah man he's in just a consistent you know borderline QB1 that Love accuracy that. and the anticipation like it, yeah he runs this offense great like he's running this offense better than Jimmy G he, he's not just a I'm at the point where I think he's a step above. He's not just a facilitator. Like I think he's maybe we still call him a high end facilitator. I'm not saying this guy could just go run any offense. The 49ers offense is like a gift to quarterbacks. Um, but I mean, I, I think what he is doing, like he's earned at this point, like we have to say like, you know, he's also probably pretty good. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. I mean, Okay, say he's not really good. Well, what do we call someone who just consistently scores 30-plus points every single time he's out there, man? <laughs> Since he came in in that Miami game when Jimmy G immediately got hurt, this team has scored 33, 35, 21, 37, 37, 38, 41, 19 against the Cowboys, only seven against the Eagles, and then to start this year, 30, 30, 30, and 35. So, hey, Dwayne, if that's not if that's not good, then I think Kyle Shanahan is probably okay with that. Great stuff from Purdy. Christian McCaffrey scores four touchdowns, never once did it even look all that hard out there. Could have had a fifth. At the end, the announcers were even talking about, like, how come Kyle's not letting him break, like, the team record for all this? You know, Christian McCaffrey just not getting enough touches out here. Dwayne, the RB1, the fantasy player RB1. Man. It's just... Talk about I, people not coming to us for trade advice. Camden, my son's no longer coming. Like, I still think we gave him the right advice for you guys listening. He had an offer on the table to get in a P full PPR. He got Jamar Chase and DeAndre Swift for Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> of course like he's texting me i'm like he's like 49 points <laughs> like look man it just happens like we 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 said cmc's the number one player in fantasy like he's the number one player in fantasy but i think today with what you saw from deandre swift like 65 you know percent of the work plus we know chase is going to be good when burrow's back but it just really hurt today like you know it's always the worst when you make that kind of trade and they got in the stud you traded away like you're just oh, awesome 50 points wasn't on my team and he's going to lose his matchup today, and he would have won it if he had Christian McCaffrey on his team. So I don't. He might not. He might call that anymore for uh, trade advice. Getting the uh, when you give someone the advice, and then like you know, because you, you remember maybe you know I answer fifty plus start sick questions every morning. I don't remember all those, but when someone texts me, I remember it. You know, and I remember I, I gave too. him bad advice, and 
yeah, I'm not thrilled about it. I'm not going to reach back out and like apologize. But when you get like the 6 p.m. text and it's like, yeah, that didn't really go well today. You're like, yeah, man, I, I kind of remember that. I knew it didn't go well. Uh, apologies about that. And you're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, just uh, let me sit in my own, uh, you know, perpetual <laughs> fantasy morning. But okay, Dwayne, come on. Let's knock these out. Yeah. Ayuk, yeah. big time game. Debo Samuel had to be limited. No targets out there. He was pretty much a game time decision. What were his, What was his route rate? Yeah, he was out there 86%, beat at 0% target share. He was clearly a decoy. Okay. They did not want to get in the ball. And, and how we know this is because they designed so many plays for Debo. Behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, lots of screens, lots of little pop passes, all sorts of things that they just come every week, right? Now, he's not always going to have a 30% target share, but he's going to get something. They did not even attempt to throw the ball to Debo Samuel today. So... Obviously, it was just that decoy. And and yeah, Ayuk was a guy that anytime we've got one of these guys out, there's a real chance for the other guys to go off. I mean, we just see this repeatedly. Debo did it last week with Ayuk out. Now this week, it's Ayuk with Debo out. Like There's just too many mouths to feed, ultimately, for them to all go off every week. But because Purdy's playing so well, I do think we have a little more upside than usual for all of these guys. And there's going to be more chances for them to all be involved because Purdy's playing at such a high level. It's still going to be a challenge because this team still wants to run the ball as well. But overall, I do think Purdy's a nice little bump for everybody still. Again, this happens in this offense, especially when CMC's hogging everything like this. 38% target share for CMC today. Kittle only one catch for nine yards. You know, he's healthy out there. The uh, one catch was like a fourth down play call. Do you think, though, Dwayne, again, decoy this week? They have the Cowboys at home next week. That's a huge game. Like, back oh, to man. Debo, upside wide receiver, too. No problems for that yeah. one. Yeah. 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 I think so. I mean, we've had him really, I've had, I've had Debo really more like at that high end wide receiver three with upside just because of the offense and everything. But yeah, I'm back to feeling the same yeah. about Debo. Um, next week. I mean, obviously, tough matchup. Cool. Brandon Ayuk, by the way, doing absolutely ridiculous things out there with his opportunities. Dwayne, 4.75 yards per route run yeah. this season. Basically, he is number one if you set the limit high enough to exclude Marvin Mims from the equation. Only Tyreek today. Oh, my God. <laughs> Only Tyreek Hill, Nico Collins, Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson are also above three yards per out run. Again, Ayuk got 4.75. So he's got 17 of 20 targets for 320 and two touchdowns. And, like, these aren't layups, man. He's being asked to win man versus man, like, 15, 20 yards downfield, doing it time and time again. This offense is not fair. Quickly on the Cardinals, again, kind of said at the beginning of this, just shout out Joshua Dobbs again, playing great. 48 rushing yards too, Dwayne. Is he starting to earn this like kind of QB2 conversation? I feel like we keep writing it off, but my goodness, man, the Giants game was legitimately impressive. And now we've had two straight, not that bad performances, just statistically. Again, I think even more impressive, you know, when considering what he's working with and going against the Cowboys and 49ers. Yeah, I mean, 23.4 fantasy points today against the freaking 49ers. That'll play. He had seven design run attempts. He had five scrambles for 33 yards. So, yeah, I mean, his leg – look, we've talked about it. Like, if you if you got legs and you know how to use them, you're a ZZ Top song, like, you're going to score fantasy points. So, Dobbs has been doing that. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we really should be looking at Dobbs as being a guy that's really – should be in, in the low-end QB1 conversation – and we're just dismissing him because his name isn't Anthony Richardson. His name isn't, you know, Justin Fields. But 23 points today, 
And last week, over 20 points against the Cowboys. Yeah, I think there's there's plenty to like. Like the bad defenses we're scared of just happened and they didn't completely tank everything. So Marquise Brown, even with the thumb injury, seven catches for 96 yards. Michael Wilson, hello, seven catches, 76 yards and a pair of touchdowns. As I mentioned at the top, again, Zach Ertz and Zach Pascal dropped those scores. So Dwayne, again, great to see Hollywood, you know, back into that weekly, pretty much wide receiver to borderline conversation, especially with bye weeks coming. Michael Wilson buying into this. He's had the routes. This is pretty much the first time we've seen him actually earn the targets to go with it i mean i don't think we can completely write him off he wasn't a high-end target earner in college and he hasn't been that so far this preseason i mean this this season or in the preseason he has a 17 percent target share today so it's not great he caught two touchdowns like so he is a contested you know win at the point of catch kind of player and like he showed that today like they played into his strong suit he got two targets um, that he took for touchdowns. One of them was in the end zone. I don't know if the second was in the, in the end zone. I didn't get to see that second was. touchdown. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to go nuts about it. But again, <laughs> kind of like what we talked about with Stroud, if if Dobbs is playing this good and he continues to play this good, it just it enables everything for all the rest of these guys. It makes Marquise Brown, it keeps him in the wide receiver three conversation. It puts Mike Wilson, Michael Wilson into the wide receiver four with upside, you know, um conversation potentially like i've had him more as like a wide receiver six maybe upgrade him to like a wide receiver five i'll have to look more at the utilization tomorrow um not gonna go nuts on him but clearly like the cardinals are playing better than we expected and he's one of the he's one of the pieces James Connor's streak of RB2 finishes has finally been ended, which means I can't send my weekly tweet about it. Just a sad day in the heart of its household. We did get something named Amari Di Mercado. Mm -hmm. from Saddleback College and also TCU, go Horn Frogs, uh, out there playing 36% of snaps. James Conner was on the injury report this week, Dwayne. I do wonder if that had something to do with it because, man, he looked Keontae great out Ingram. there. Keontae yeah, Ingram was, was out too. but yeah. No, but Conner was uh, – I don't know if he was – he wasn't questionable, but like he did no. – I'm pulling it up right now. He did miss – he was limited with a back injury on Wednesday at a minimum. So maybe that's why he's playing a little bit less than usual. He looked great, man. Like, he actually went head-on with, like, Fred Warner, actually had a couple, you know, just semi-explosive runs out there. So I'm not going to let this performance, you know, really let me go away from James Conner. Still very much a usage-based uh, RB2 in matchups, not against, you know, the single best defense in football. Last one here, guys. Chiefs took down the Jets Sunday night, 23 to 20. Hand up. Dwayne and I started at halftime and said the end of the game because we did not expect this to be as competitive. Shout out to Zach Wilson and company for doing just that. Again, Dwayne, we have been talking for the last half hour, not half hour, the last two and a half hours, so we did not get a chance to catch the end of that game. But I will say, even in the first half, yes, we did have a pair of touchdown misses. Garrett Wilson got loose down the sideline, 29-yard score overthrown also tyler conklin from 12 yards out after some nice uh escapability in the pocket zach wilson got out and then just couldn't quite get it to him hit his hands outstretched would have been a cool catch certainly should have been an easier throw so again shout out to zach wilson for keeping things tight and apparently putting forward man his best performance as a professional good stuff there quickly though on the chiefs anything you're seeing Dwayne, with true media stuff about notable usage takeaways kelsey's doing his things mahomes actually threw a few ill-advised picks and this one i know there's some controversy with penalties at the end i guess the biggest question would be what to make of isaiah pacheco 20 carries buck 15 and a touchdown is he finally pulling away from guys like ch and jared mckinnon more so than in past weeks um we'll hit the receivers real quick because i've got that up first 
Good. nothing that I'm seeing. Um, 60% route participation to MVS and Justin Watson. That was the top two for the team. They still got all these guys involved. Sky Moore did not even get to 50% route participation. Uh, Rasheed Rice was under 50%. He was at 49%, right around where he was last week. So I know we were kind of hoping maybe Rasheed Rice like takes another step forward and, and earns a larger role. That did not come to fruition. Kadarius Tony still stuck in that Kadarius Tony uh, role, only 34%. But if we switch over to the rushing attempts, we talked about this last week when we isolated that game down. Uh, and took out some of the blowout stuff for the Chiefs at the end of that game in week three, it was over 60% of the rushing attempts going to Isaiah Pacheco, and we saw that stick tonight. 61% of the rushing attempts. He came through with 24.8 fantasy points out there for 46% route participation. So really, CMC's role has dwindled down. He only had 9% of the snaps tonight versus 64%. For Pacheco, he was only out there for 9% route participation. Jarrett McKinnon's going to do his thing. He's going to be 30 to 35% route participation, but he's only going to take 5 to 10% of the rushing attempts at the most. And there's going to be games where he gets zero. He gets 0%. So I do think Pacheco's making his way into that low-end RB2 conversation. Um, maybe he could make his way into that mid-range RB2 conversation, but 60% of the rushing attempts, even on a team that likes to throw the ball like the Chiefs a lot, it's still an explosive offense. So I think we'll take it, and we'll just have to kind of keep an eye. Maybe he can carve out a little bit more work in the passing game in the coming weeks, but right now, still definitely a good trend going for Pacheco. I'm just laughing at your Freudian slip accidentally calling CHCMC throughout that <sighs> very, oh very that's, informative that's, rant. That's window. terrible. Yeah. No, CEH, as soon as I see him on the field, I did see a play. I glanced up when you were talking about something earlier. I'm like, oh, there's CEH immediately getting caught from behind. He always gets <laughs> tackled weird because he can't run away from anyone and oh. he gets twisted around. And I think they called a horse collar tackle on that play. I'm like, no, that's just because CEH is too slow. That's just how people tackle CEH. When you're forced to tackle from behind, this happens. Get faster. What a what a take. I love it. Uh, with Pacheco, only other thing I'll add, man, that 48-yard touchdown, like, he runs, like, the ground as, you know, like, taking everything he's ever worked for in his life. Like, you talk about, like, not wanting to waste movement. He wastes all the movement trying to pulverize that ground, man. But, hey, it works for him. He runs hard. Love seeing it. Again, on the Jets, Zach Wilson. Dude, like, he's had moments where they do open up the offense a little bit. That Cowboys first half, he had that nice drive towards the end of it. Things have gotten out of hand, especially when the Jets have tried to go, you know, run, run past. We've had a large sample with Zach Wilson. I'm just saying, Dwayne, it did seem to be a pretty positive performance. We've been waiting for anything close to positive from Wilson. So I know we have a much larger portion of his career to say, no, he is still very much like the biggest bust, one of the worst quarterbacks we've seen in quite some time. But Hey, if he's going to throw the ball 14 times to Garrett Wilson, accurate enough for him to catch nine of them, I can start getting behind the Zach Wilson experience a little more, Dwayne. Yeah, at least you saw them come into a game where they knew they were going to have to try to score points, even though the game never got away and they still let him throw it. So I think you have to take that as a positive. Like the drop back over expected tomorrow uh, morning when that publishes over on fantasylife.com, I expect it to be a plus number for the Jets. And it's been a minus number. So that's a good thing. You know, I don't know that they're going to keep be willing to do that, but I think he did enough tonight that they kind of left, they left the throttle open on it and they knew that the chiefs could run away at any moment, but a 72% completion rate, 105 passer rating, 245 passing yards, two touchdowns next week. It could be a hundred yards and three picks and no touchdowns. Like we all acknowledge that, but to your point, like, we'll just like, we can also acknowledge that this was a good game for Zach Wilson. We know it's going to be a roller coaster ride with him with more downs than ups. 
But at least if you get something like that, it gives you a little bit of hope, hope, Ian, you know, for your Garrett Wilson shares. And my bags are pretty heavy on the Garrett Wilson, <laughs> on the Garrett Wilson shares. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it. 14 targets, 36% target share tonight. He came through with 15 fantasy points. I still think he's that mid-range wide receiver three that you're hoping to get an upside game. This is the kind of game you need from Zach Wilson. Honestly, when you get games like this from Zach, you're really hoping you uncork a 25-pointer from Garrett Wilson. But you take the 14 targets. Anytime you get that many targets, you got a chance of putting up, you know, 30, 35 fantasy points if you're a receiver as good as he is. So I think this is a positive thing for Garrett Wilson overall, but I just expect it to be a complete roller coaster. Again, so close to that 30-yard score. Even got one hand on it. When Garrett can get one hand on it, you almost expect him to come down with and it. Taking some big hits, man, and getting up from yeah. him. I got to give Garrett Wilson credit because he's not the biggest dude. He got he got popped several times in this game and just kept on going. He was out there ninety five percent of the team's Ooh. passing plays. Like he's not leaving the field. Shout out Alan Lazard, nice little performance. Had a touchdown, couple nice jump ball moments from Zach Wilson as well. With this backfield, Dwayne again, yeah. Brees Hall got in some full practices this week. We do see him again, team high fifty six rushing yards. He looked good out there. Did we finally get that utilization where we can start locking this guy in the starting lineup again? Kind of setting where it finished last week. Um, he's definitely got a nice little positive trend going, but he kind of flattened here a little bit. Um, but I still think it's positive. Like he led the team in snaps at 46%. You had 29% to Michael Carter. You had 25% to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's droppable, uh, honestly, in most formats. There's really no point anymore um, because they're gonna they're just leaning more into Brees, and also this offense isn't very good. So I I, I would not feel bad about dropping Dalvin Cook in most leagues. Um, you look at a 40% route participation, so not quite to 50%, but still the clear leader. Dalvin was at 14%. Michael Carter was at 19%. Uh, rushing attempts, 38%. Uh, Dalvin was at 31%, and then Michael Carter at 6%. So he's leading by a decent margin in all categories. The closest thing is the rushing attempts where he was only a few carries ahead of, or he's only uh, one rushing attempt ahead of Dalvin Cook. Uh, and that's the thing, like, they came into this game knowing that I think they had to throw the ball, that they yeah. wouldn't be able to just rest on trying to run the ball and play defense and hat tip to them. Cause that's probably what you need to do when you play the chiefs, but only six rushing attempts. He did look pretty good tonight though. 56 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. So Brees has got to be getting closer and closer to, uh, I don't know that we'll see the Brees from last year at all this year, but he's got to be, he's getting closer and closer to that version with each week that passes. Aaron Rodgers also told NBC the plan is for him to return and play this season. Not sure if he's thinking late regular season, even doing that'd be freaking wild out here, but Hey, modern technology science, man. Crazy, crazy. These yep. days. And with that going to wrap up another edition of the fancy life podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning with us as always wrapping this one up before 1 a.m. Eastern. And I am very pleased to announce we have some lovely, lovely production help now, and we're going to get this bad boy pubbed and hopefully you're listening to it right now on your drive to work. So again, apologies that we were gotten them up a little bit late over the past few weeks, but doing everything in our power now to get this up and live as soon as possible, Dwayne, because Lord knows the fantasy football world never stops and I don't plan on stopping with it, but anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend that you haven't for the last, you know, two and a half hours. No, 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 we're good. The utilization tools will be updated. Like I said earlier by nine eastern a.m tomorrow morning so you can go in and you can either look at the game logs for the players you can look at where uh utilization stands for the season who the leaders are uh, you also have a team view where you can go in and you hear the things that i was talking about drop back rate over 
over expected plays per minute over expectation scheme. You can see how, how often teams are running 11, 12 personnel motion play action. I mean, you name it, like it's all there and Ian, like it's F R E E it's all free. So yeah, go check it out. Free 99 as always fantasylife.com. You guys know how it goes for Dwayne. I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in the fantasy life podcast until next time. Take care everybody.